Today on the channel, we are doing the 2023 Holiday Awards show, and we'll be doing the Hall of Fame inductions. The Podski starts now. The Podski with John Baker. For over one year, the revolutionary force in audio entertainment. into another episode of the Podski. I am your host, the man of a thousand gimmicks, Johnny Bake Show. I got the Podski doc, JC. Took him a second, but he got it. Took me a second. I got Justin Andretti. We may or may not have Teddy Mongoose in here. He is, he's uh, floating out at sea, raining too hard. His boat capsized. He's a pirate now. But it is episode 79, and today is the Holiday Awards show. So we are gonna we have 22 categories, and plus we have the Hall of Fame inductions. So if you see a category that you want to listen to, you can hit it in the timestamps and you can jump ahead if you'd like, or you can stick around with us the whole way. But uh it's been a we're post-Christmas. We're now uh, almost to the new year. So what's going on, guys? Not much, man. Just uh Trying to enjoy the winter break and uh, a little unseasonably warm here in the uh, Podski verse uh, for this time in our neck of the woods, but uh, is what it is. I mean, it's same here with me, just trying to get through these holidays and stay sane and try to be so- sober a little bit, but you know, it's not working. And I've been sick for a month, which is not good, but is what it is. So here we are. You got that Dave call? I don't know what I have. I think I had COVID, and I think it became bronchitis is what I think it is. Ah, brutal. Yeah. Shout out, to, shout out to my father-in-law. Shout out to my father-in-law for getting me sick. That, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we can, we'll just jump right into it here. We got, a bun- we got a ton of categories to get to, so we're going to kick it off with best moment of the year so we had three nominees and so basically how all of this was done is the same format as what we did last year we had everybody uh, put all of their submissions and nominees in and then we collaboratively came together on all the winners instead of doing that live on the air like we did last year that we did it ahead it was a seven hour show i think we, oh my god it was so long it was it was five hours plus long so i got heat for that one. Oh. So much, so much time was into that. So we'll hop right in with best moment of the year. And the nominees are the Okada Nut Chop from the G1. Dan Barry showing up at WrestleMania and CM Punk's return to WWE. And the winner is the Okada Nut Chop. (laughs) So we started off with kind of a funny one here. This one happened during the G1 climax, uh, the semifinals against Evil, where 
they had him spread eagle like a star and dick togo came off the top rope and karate chopped him right in the sack as you can see if you're following youtube you can see the image of it it's on the uh, it's on the screen now so uh what a mo that 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 alone i mean dan barry i i don't know how we could ever beat dan barry we love you dan hopefully you're listening but we love you dan i don't know how that beat out dan at wrestlemania because that we popped to the moon for that thing i mean that mongoose is the one that found it he's the one that saw it uh, saw it live um and then texted me and told me i had to see it and i was like this is just gonna be some dumb spot and it was but it was the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life he's just laid there with his legs spread and they held his legs and i don't think he even tried real hard to even get out of it and then toko climbs to the top rope and jumps off and hits him in the uh Hits him and hits him right in the crotch, and it was uh, it was something, man. I'll tell you what, it was something. I don't know how that's not the finish of the match, but that was not the actual finish of that match. God, I wish I wish that the G one would have ended with that. <laughs> like that's how somebody won the G one. The most underrated part of that is the fact that it was Dick to go. Yeah, <laughs> right. Which is even better. <laughs> uh, so. This, without a doubt, without question, number one with a bullet is the most incredible spot of the year to me, um, which then would cement it into the most incredible moment of the year for me. And simply because this is something that when it happened, uh, I, I almost went into this, this state of shock where I was actually on the treadmill uh, and I don't know if my legs stopped to move or if I went straight up like a rocket and socked my head off of the roof of the uh, workout room down here. Um, but what we had was we have your classic evil versus anybody match. We have a ref bump. We got Okada is getting stomped out, everything by uh, show and uh, Takahashi. And they grab his legs, they pull each leg up, wishbone style, dick togo, you know, pantomimes, smoking the J or whatever it was that he did. And he delivers a tomahawk chop right to the crotch of Kazuchika Okada. And I'm, I'm not kidding, man. I've seen a whole bunch of interference spots and all of them that just make you roll your eyes. And especially when it comes to this or to this team, rather this faction, especially with evil matches and whoever's idea it was to grab a leg, put him on his head. They balanced him on his head the way that you would do like a gardening tool, like a shovel or something uh, so that, you know, so that it doesn't fall to the ground. They balanced him on his head. They split him like a wishbone. And again, you think of all these different things that might happen. An overhand tomahawk chop to the dick is not, not going to be high, high on the list of things that you think you're going to see. And it happened. And uh, I, I can't begin to describe how grateful for it that I am. And I am so, so happy and so proud that this is bestowed the honor of the uh, moment of the year, because 
It absolutely was. I mean, we saw some great things along the way. Um, but you want to talk about something that I don't think could be replicated. <sighs> that, that was magic. That was absolute magic. You know, my my whenever I was first going through it, I initially thought that the the one winged angel one count kick out from Kenny Omega was literally a moment where I exploded. Like I was like, oh my gosh. Like again, not just because it's the kick out of the one winged angel, but it's in you they had it set up where you thought he was losing to his own finisher and he kicked out at one. And because that that match was in Canada, those people exploded and so do I or so did I. But oh my God, dude. I just it 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 doesn't pale in comparison, but it's a solid, solid one B at best to to this to this crotch shot. We had um, Cody's loss at Mania. We had Omega kicking out at one hamstring of Mania. Um, hamstring of Mania almost won. Ham, the hamstring of Mania. That thing was insane. That was that was my favorite thing for WrestleMania. I think it was Shane just blowing his hamstrings out <laughs> right in the middle of the ring, just as red as possible. You could not get more red than Shane McMahon. He was fuchsia. And that poor guy blown up to the freaking moon and just blowing him off the bone. Why not? I also love the fact that we started this show, this award show with a nut shot. Like that's, that's like, it's, <laughs> there's a lot more not, to come that after that. Indicative. That's not indicative of where this is headed. And we're, we're a serious podcast. Oh God. The la- the last one we have to mention here is Quang Quanging at <laughs> at, at backlash. He, he quanged him out. He quanged him out, man. I mean that that's. I mean we're going to talk about that later too. But yep. Quang, I mean Savio coming out is unmasked Quang in the in the aisle way and just Quanging everybody to death was awesome. Unreal, unreal. All right, so category number two is going to be match of the year, and this was a unanimous nomination of Osprey and Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 17. So, I mean, that, I don't understand how there's any other match that was better than that match, and that literally happened like what two days into the year, and it held. I think four. I think it was. Four. I was going to say that too. I think. It, I think it was four days into the year. Unreal. That match was absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, there was, I mean, the fact that that happened four days into the year, and and we still didn't think anything beat it the whole year. I mean, there was some, there was a lot of really good matches this year. I mean, there was all that stuff on the um, all that stuff in the G one. There was a lot of really good stuff in the G one. There was great stuff in the Continental Classic too. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm kind of glad that all you know all four of us um, didn't go with any kind of you know recency bias with the pick. Everybody stuck with what they thought you know was the was the best match of the whole year, and it happened. Four days into the year, man. I mean, that's that's a, a damn impressive thing to get an award for a whole year. Whenever um, you know, whenever it's only four days, and you and everybody else has got you know three hundred and sixty-one days to try to beat it, no one did. Yeah, uh, some other mentions that we have here is the obviously the Forbidden Door match between Osprey and Omega. That Strickland Page full gear match. Uh, I also shamelessly want to throw in here a uh, Snoop versus Shane from WrestleMania that we just already mentioned earlier. So good. Uh, Omega and Vikingo on Dynamite. That was a really good one. Edge, uh, Christian, 
or the the Sting Edge and Darby versus um, Christian's whole family there at uh, Full Gear as well. I mean that there's so many so many good matches this year, but the one that clearly stood out among the rest was Omega and Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom. And for the you know we we included the women and the tag teams in this too. You know we it, we put all the matches of men's women's tags you know whatever all into one category. Um, but I you know I, I went back and watched that. Um, the Julia um, Susie Suzuki match last night again, because um, I put it really high on my um, my list of match of the year. And that was at um, start of 12th anniversary um, from, uh, I believe, February, I think is is when it was. But that, I mean, that match is just unbelievable. I mean, they're, they're, it's super physical. Um, you know, it's not not your typical, you know, WWE women's wrestling for that you have trained in your brain, you know? So you go, go and watch some of that stardom stuff. It's a little different, a little different animal over there, but uh, that match was great. I mean, I, I really like the, uh, the new beginning show um, from new Japan with um, uh, the Osprey Tai Chi match. I had really high on my list all year too. So there was, and I think um, it looks like Mongoose had um, Omega Vikingo from, from that dynamite, that dynamite match that they had was unbelievable. So, you know, even, even a TV match even made it on here for this. Right. So they meaning new Japan did everything right for this match. And what I mean is uh, they had, they had your typical cross promotional kind of build where, you know, they use social media and other things like that, because Obviously, you're going to have guys that are crossing paths all the time from city to city because they're on different continents. Um, but the build to this one, I, I really did like because it was really more so Osprey promos than it was Omega promos. Um, you know, the Osprey really, really sort of showing more the edge or whatever you'd like to say. And then Kenny basically having the uh, the attitude of, you know, the one who's been there before. Um, and I, I really did like that dynamic because, you know, Osprey's just Omega 2.0 whenever it comes to the foreigner who is, you know, basically lights every single match he's in on fire, uh, gets this big foreign following, um, you know, all the buzz in the observer and things like that. You know, I mean, that was certainly Kenny in 2016, 17, 18, and it's Osprey now. And so for him to, you know, basically have that, sort of uh, that that approach to the match of I'm here to take the crown off of the king. Um, we had Osprey coming into that match with a belt. And so not only because it was a match at the Dome on New Japan soil, it was for a New Japan championship. I'm thinking that we all thought that it was going to be Kenny comes in, you know, superstar match, does the job and it's over. And the fact that we had the physicality in the match that we did, uh, there were things really sort of harken back to the beginnings of the Okada and Omega feud where, you know, if you remember like in the Okada Omega feud where Kenny obviously couldn't hit the one winged angel, couldn't do it, couldn't do it, got close a million times, couldn't do it. Uh, they teased the table spot in that match, you know, and the things that all sort of paid off later on and that's sort of what we had here was you had either big moves or you had counters or you had things that sort of teased what you thought would have been this mega spot that obviously they were going to save for later on. And when they did the sequel, man, a lot of that stuff did go on. And especially the thing that I had mentioned before with 
uh, Osprey hitting the one-winged angel and some of that. It's great stuff. But to the actual dome match, um, the fact that both of those guys finish, you know, their faces are all swollen and puffy. I, I, and I, I might be wrong. You, you'll have to verify if you know. I believe that it's it's Omega, right? That Osprey has sort of tied upside down, like almost Tria Woe style, and he just throws a mega kick right to Omega's face, and he busts him right in the face. I think that that's it. I would have to go back and see, but you know, Kenny has a big mouse under his eye whenever the match is over, and the fact that he gets the clean victory there, I thought that it was an absolute perfect start to that feud. Um, and you know, we could book that a thousand different ways for where they, where they go from here, but the best part is Omega won the first one. We had uh, we had Osprey win the second one, and then we know we're getting the third. And I believe you were the one that said it before. The crazy thing with that is we saw that match on January 4th last year, almost literally 365 days ago from this recording, and it was the match of the year. Like, that's that's insane. It really, really is. And so for that to happen and, you know, bless uh, bless the championship match after that. Yeah, it was Okada and Jay White. And, you know, sucks for those guys. You know, it really does. And you would you would think that because of that, this year, because you have Naito and Sonata, even though Naito is going to get his crowning, uh, what do you call it, his his nostalgia run, um, God, they can't put Danielson and Okada on last. I don't. I just don't think you could do that two years in a row. All right, and our next category is move of the year. So this is a move that is used most frequently. Uh, it, it is a like a finishing move or. It's not just like a move that just kind of happened throughout like a like a one off. That's more more or less a moment. So um, our nominations, we had two nominees. We had the Stormbreaker by Will Ospreay and Ilya Dragunov's H-Bomb. And the winner of that is the Stormbreaker by Will Ospreay. Uh, I mean, is there a guy that had a better year than Will Ospreay? I mean, and, and the Probably not. The, as many matches as he won, big matches, and they all ended with a Stormbreaker. It's just so visually impressive to see, and the fact that it's still relatively safe for as impressive looking as it is. You know, I think I think there's something to it. it it's got everything you want. Now, the only thing I would say is you can't do it to everybody, which is the hallmark of a good finisher. Um, he couldn't do that to huge dudes, but. I mean, for the people that he wrestles, excellent. I picked the um, I picked the H bomb, the Dragon Love H bomb for for my uh, nominee with this. But um, I want to say too, like I think Stormbreaker is the better pick. Um, I, I like the Dragon Love H bomb when it's off the top rope, like when he beat um, when he beat Carmelo Hayes for the belt um, at one of the at the, the uh, NXT show. I don't even remember what it was called. Uh, the one for, I think it was the one in Bakersfield. Um, it was off the top rope, and he hit it off the top rope, which was unbelievable. But yeah, man. I mean, there were a couple others that we had on here. I mean, there were two moonsaults, Tiffany Stratton and Julia Hart. I think Julia Hart deserves a, little, a, a shout out here with this because that moonsault that she does is really good. And she's gotten a lot better. Um, and the move is, has been has been really good this whole year for her. So I kind of wanted to give her a little bit of a shout out with that, too. Yeah, you also had mentioned here uh, The Last Supper by Darby Allen and Tiffany Stratton's moonsault, too. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, it's interesting because if we, I know we kind of kicked this around a little bit in the, uh, 
in the uh, chat, you know, when we were talking about this, but we wanted to make sure that this was a move from a wrestler, right? We didn't want to just make it, you know, a move that that could be like a, you know, like a DDT or a pile driver or something, right? But I think if we were if we were going to give an award to a move, like an actual move that a lot of people do, I, th I would think the moonsault this year is probably the one that, that we would give it to, right? I feel like the moonsault, you know, over the years has been... I know a lot of people like to give Hangman criticism for his moonsault that he always does off the top rope to the floor, but I feel like this year's been a really good year for moonsaults. Like they're not like they all look good and they look crisp and they they still feel like a big spot when someone does one. Yep. <laughs> Agreed. The Stormbreaker almost by default for me is the move of the year. Um be, to be honest, my first inkling was bulldog choke but the bulldog choke won last year and the reason that i would have had bulldog choke is it is one of the very few moves in wrestling i guess right now besides the one-winged angel where when you see it it's it's the finish you know very rarely does somebody get out without some real you know chicanery uh and so it, it's it's an awesome move but Rightly crowned last year, and so I decided uh, to go with the finisher for the guy who's had the most incredible matches all year. Uh, the Stormbreaker has defeated um, Kenny Omega. It's beaten. Um, just looking here, really quick, some just some some names to fire off. Um, we have Tai Chi. We have uh, Bobby Fish. Mark Davis. We have um, my gosh, Matt Cardona. Holy cow. Lance Archer. Um, we obviously, Kenny Omega, we had said. Uh, Okada, Great Okan, Kenta, Yoshihashi. Uh, this guy has had a banner year up and down all over the world. And the Hidden Blade is great. But, you know, the Hidden Blade is very, uh, it's Rainmaker-ish in that you can hit a Rainmaker. And usually one Rainmaker isn't the end. Hidden Blade's really similar. It's a great setup. It's a V-trigger-ish, you know? Every once in a while, that'll get him the pin. But when it's Stormbreaker time, it's over. And uh, that's, I, I thought, that. It, it, look, it's an incredible move, too. You got the double underhook. You get him up. You have that twisting cutter as he comes down. It's really impressive. Um, the fact that he's able to hit it on the people that he has used the move for a finisher is impressive, too. It's not just, you know... Uh, Taiji Shimori and, um, you know, Hiromu Takahashi that he's getting up there. You know, he's getting up, you know, real and true people in the heavyweight division. And so, yeah, I think it's a spectacular move. And I think that it is justifi justifiably uh, given to a guy who is very well decorated, not only from the wrestling, you know, universe and smart universe and everything else, but from this particular show. I mean, Osprey's had a year of a lifetime and I think that he, he deserves this one as well. All right. Our next category is the figure of the year. So if you know us here on the pause, we do do figure reviews. You can catch those on YouTube. And we also, I mean, we're all collectors here, especially all three of us here on the show right now. So um, we have some nominations. We have the Minoru Suzuki storm collectibles, the uh, San Diego comic-con exclusive sting from Jazzwares. We have the gobbledygooker uh, who was in that two-pack with Undertaker. That was a, um, a ultimate edition. And that winner is the, the gobbledygooker from the two-pack. I mean, they, 
this one, if you have this, this is on. So if you're listening to this right now, that is on. I did a review on this figure on the YouTube. So go check that out. But this figure to me encapsulates like what a figure should be. It's campy. It's unique. Like they don't just make figures like this all the time. And it's a very out of the box pick. Um, and, you know, it's been one of those ones that it's got a fabled tale behind it because they were going to do it years ago. Then they didn't do it. And now they did. Um, and just kind of really fitting that it was in that Survivor Series, uh, like d early debuts pack that uh, Mattel Creations did. And it was an Amazon exclusive. So um, I, I, I have it here. I love it. It's going to be a staple in the collection forever. Yeah, and I went with the Sting San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. Um, I think it's it did everything you want an exclusive to do for something like that because you don't want it to be something so brand new that it's inaccessible to the general audience. Like People are like, oh, where's the Surfer Sting? Or where's a Joker Sting? Or Blade Runner Sting? Or anything like that. Like It, it was so low-numbered and hard to get that it's not accessible to everybody who would want it. And yeah, that's good in one regard for the people who can get it, but for the consumer, the mass consumer, it's not good. Um, so at its heart, it's a base sting figure. Um, right. But then it has the extra soft good shirt and the casket and the whole presentation of it, him sitting out of the casket and the nice packaging, but the light can come through the top and the front and you could get it signed. Um, so for me, it was excellent. It's my figure of the year. I'm a Sting guy, so you know it is what it is there. But uh, a couple other ones I had mentioned were the Rollins Ultimate and the Cody Ultimate. The Cody Ultimate was uh, excellent as far as presentation goes and all the accessories. Uh, I don't think it's quite as good as the Supreme that came out the year before uh, because the jacket isn't quite as good. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still very nice. And then the Rollins Ultimate it's an ultimate of Seth Rollins in the current day. It's got the laughing face. It's got the crazy jacket that's soft good, so it's nice. Yeah, and I know that here, Andretti, you have a, you have the Hogan Ultimate listed here. Uh, which which one is that? Um, I didn't know there were two of them. I, I, it was just the one that was in the traditional gear with the you know the yellow pant, yellow tights, and, and red knee pads. Oh, okay, yeah, that I actually have that one sitting here in the cave right now. He's sitting at the top of the, uh, yeah, I got that one. I believe I got that one last year. So I don't know if that one was like an early release last year into this year or not, but it's still a really good figure as well. I and I put on the the only other one I had. On, I I haven't I haven't bought anything all year. I haven't bought any figures all year. So I just went by, I went by pictures that I just saw online and you know talking to talking to you guys and whatnot. But I I really like that. Um, the um I don't even know what they're called the 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 Mattel the fake Remco's I don't even know what they're called man superstars, the, the, uh, superstars? yeah yep so yeah that the um the Albano I thought looked great I mean I'm not you know really interesting guy you know <laughs> Captain Lou I don't know if he's I don't know if he's on my uh, Mount Rushmore of anything but uh, you know I thought that that Lou Albano uh, the Lou Albano superstars looked incredible. And I did see it. I did see it in stores too. And I almost bought it, but I didn't. But uh, I did pick it up and actually saw it. And I was like, "Holy cow! They did a great job with this." Yeah, I I like the superstars. I don't know. I don't really have a place in my collection for them. But like, whenever you see them in store, like the packaging like really stands out. And they, they I mean, they look good. They're not, they don't look bad at all. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about them too. I wish I had a place for them. Right. Um. I just I don't. Um, right. 
that's kind of where we're all at right now. We don't have a, we don't have any space for them. <laughs> hey, I'm know. going to get I, new I new. Uh, I'm going to get two more um, cabinets this weekend from IKEA. Nice. Right. The new the new Detolves. I'm gonna get two more. They're twenty bucks lower than they used to be. Pro tip to everybody. Really? They lowered them down to seventy nine, so they're the same price as the uh, Detolves used to be. Nice. But they're same size. They're a, a bit smaller, not much, but a bit. And I. I actually drew up and laser cut custom risers that fit them just perfect. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. My choice, and I defaulted to the 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 guys that are really deep in the figure game. Uh, and so the gobbledygooker, especially when we're looking aesthetically and nostalgia-wise and everything, that checks a whole bunch of boxes. And I think that that's a great pick. No argument from me. One thing that I did want to put over, though, is the Minoru Suzuki Storm Collectibles figure. Um, Storm Collectibles is excellent when it comes to the actual detail, craftsmanship, prosability, all those things that you want to say. Um, the first Storm Collectibles figure that I remember was they did like a little Hulk Hogan series. And um, I thought that actually might be Johnny Bake Show's uh, posed um Hollywood Hogan right now but they had the Hollywood Hogan they had the real American Hollywood or real American Hulk Hogan um they had the uh the one with the white shirt they had the Hollywood Hogan as the WWF fish run and so they really really went through like the Hogan genres and they were all great man I mean Mega Tan looked awesome and so that one opened my eyes the thing that really blew me away from them was the Jushin Thunder Liger uh, and that little th uh, Jushin Liger set that they had. Uh, and so when I saw that they had Minoru Suzuki, uh, I don't know, like for me again, I, I absolutely get in second the one that we picked, but I'm happy that this one is mentioned. If you look again at the articulation that it's got, excellent you have different hands for all of his uh, crazy man sort of poses uh you have the haircut is perfect you have a tongue in you have a tongue out you have just the black towel uh you have a grimacing face um i i think that it's a really really well done figure and i would be remiss if it was not mentioned for figure of the year all right our next category is podcast of the year so this is one that we uh we like to try to give back to other people that want to listen to wrestling podcasts other outside than the pod ski so uh, these are ones that we think that you should be checking out as well if you're a wrestling fan so our nominees for that are wrestling weekly with les thatcher not sam wrestling and something to wrestle with bruce pritchard those were three nominations and the winner is wrestling weekly with les thatcher and I know that I know that Mongoose and Andretti both have been putting over Wrestling Weekly for a long time. Uh, I, I nominated Not Sam just because I kind of found him mid-year. And, I mean, we all know Sam Roberts from, like, Major, Major Wrestling Figure Podcast and him being on, like, the pre-shows and stuff like that. But I never, like, went in and listened to his actual show. And I very much enjoy it. Uh, but the Wrestling Weekly is a very... I started listening to that, and it's a very good show that only lasts about an hour it's in and out they cover really good topics what works well what don't 
what does not work well. It's it's a very well put together podcast. It's a part of the Wrestling Observer um, subscription base, so that's pretty much how you get to listen to it. But I I very much really enjoy that podcast. Yeah, it's great. But Mongoose is the one that found it, and he he was like, "You got to start listening to this." And he, and he told me that maybe two or three times. And then it just it, when the first time I heard it, it became a must listen every week for me after that. So, look, they're great, man. They, they, you know, Les Thatcher gives expert breakdown, you know, from from being inside the industry for a thousand years. And they're they're calm and they present things in a rational manner. Um, they never really go overboard with anything. Um, and it's just a it's a really easy listen. Um, they've got really good chemistry together, the two of them. Um, it just what a great show, man. Just it, it's it's a it's a must listen every single week. Yeah, and, and look, they don't they don't pull punches either, man. Like they 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 don't go over the top, but they do. They give people an earful when they have to in their own way. And I think that's the the best thing that they do is just the fact that it's super objective. You know, they give a, a, a criticism in the right way. They give a lot of really good praise in the right way. You know, it's 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 a really balanced. It's a really balanced, really good listen. Yeah, and I know that JC, he his nomination was something to wrestle with. And I feel like a lot of people have left that fan base because, you know, Bruce is back in the business. He is, you know, one of the tops at WWE and, you know, he's not always on the show. But I've always found that whenever he does have actually time to record that those shows are actually very good listens still uh, when he's available. And I and I very much really I really enjoy something to wrestle with still to this day. Yeah, I take a lot of it. From a just a person who was there, you have to understand he's even when he wasn't working at WWE, he still had the WWE perspective. Yeah. On things. So, like, okay, some things he's when it comes to attendance numbers, when it comes to Dave Meltzer, when it comes to inside stuff, he's not gonna he's not gonna give you what you want to hear. But if you want yeah, let me ask you know, Jason, what what is what is his problem with Meltzer? Uh he it's the exposing the business. It's the he doesn't actually have real sources. It's all secondhand knowledge. A lot of it is built up from back in the day when there was less insights that were more readily available. And uh, some of the stuff, you know, where it's conjecture and it's hurt people in the business, that's sort of his big his big problem with it. And let's let's talk about that for a quick second here. I mean, why is it not okay? Look, I don't agree with Dave with everything. You guys know that. I've said that a thousand times on here in a million times talking to both of you. But why is it not okay for somebody to be a a, a reporter or like a an analyst? What, what's wrong with that? I guess well, the- his thing his thing is it's opinion. So so what? It's and that's kind of where I go with it too. Like, and I think most people take it to that point. Like, okay, it's literally called the observer it's not called the journal it's not called he's like i don't think anybody should take him as like a news reporter you know what i mean like everything that dave comes out with is still filtered through his lens through his group of people so like yeah he's presenting the quote-unquote news or his opinion of something and there's nothing wrong with that you can call him a tastemaker and that's okay so like i i don't have a problem with Meltzer. i don't read the observer um again because that's one person's opinion on how it goes and i like to kind of formulate my own based on what i watch and what i care about um but there's a lot of hate for that like if you look at bischoff too oh my god he absolutely despises him just as much as 
um, as Brucey does. So, I guess I guess that would cross industries, right? I mean, I, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's millions of coaches that hate, you know, hate NBA reporters, right, and hate NBA analysts. I, I, w- I would think that's probably right. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the those two, like pretty much like Bischoff and Bruce, like they've both been called out. They both have called out dave on their shows and then dave, and they're both they're both big personalities with big egos too it's, it's and they're saying. trying to and they're trying to have an audience too let's not they're trying to get an audience they're trying to entertain and then dave brings back like well i heard this directly from brett and brett told me that bischoff handed me this contract and this is what it was and then bischoff's like that never happened i never did that I don't know if I trust I don't know if I trust him at all. <laughs> I don't know who I think Bishop lies about everything. Yeah. So I think you take everything with a grain of salt as you do, but I, I I've always yeah. Bruce Bruce is very entertaining and yes. especially whenever they do like uh, all the stuff with her sassfrass and yeah. you know, and he does all of his stuff. Like that episode of Cornette is one of the best podcast listens you could ever have just the way that they talk about george the rat and everything in that podcast is fantastic um I, I, i've been going so last um last weekend um i drove up to paso robles uh which is about three hours um to meet my buddy from texas who now lives in oakland and he drove down three hours so we met you know halfway um to see iron claw and i i i listened to probably four or five episodes of something to wrestle you know going up there and coming back and it, it, look it's great man it's it's great it's he's like you said super entertaining he's he's really funny he's got great insight conrad and him are really good together um the show's awesome um it just like it just felt like every show pritchard was taking shots at Meltzer, and i and i i i, I understand why people you know it, it, go after go after dave Meltzer, but um I will say this, like I, it, there's been a lot of times where I've had to stop listening to the observer because Dave goes off on tangents and makes my brain bleed when he does it. Um, but there's also a lot of times too, man, when he's given like, he's given his, his, his commentary on, um, you know, his takeaways from, from watching pay-per-views and stuff like that. And I end up agreeing a lot with what he says. And then I end up getting kind of irritated because it's all stuff I want to say on here that he beats me to. And then it sounds like I'm just regurgitating whatever somebody on the, on figure four said, you know what I mean? But um, the, look, man, like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with him. He's dedicated his life to this. It, it, his whole life has been wrestling. He has perspective. You know, I don't understand why everybody goes after him, especially people that are in the industry. They just go after him. It's like, I don't, I don't understand it, man. I really don't. I, I get it that, that everybody's got an ego and, and a big personality and that's what it is. They don't want to be, they don't want to have any dirt thrown at them and, and people don't like that, but it's look, man. I mean, the, the guys, he's done a hell of a service to this industry for many years. And those observers are, they're, they're historical documents at this point, man, looking back over the years. So it's, I, I don't get, I, I just, I, what, what I'm trying to say here, you know, not very art, art, articulate, articulated, whatever. I can't even speak, but um, um, I, I wish that, I wish that people like Bischoff or even Bruce would just see it from that perspective um, and, uh, and be glad that someone's doing that work. But I, I maybe, in, maybe down the road they will, or maybe, you know, maybe that's not the audience for Dave, you know, I don't know, but I, I don't understand why people will keep going after him. Yeah. But again, man, I like Bruce a lot. I think he's got great perspective 
and I, I, I'm probably going to end up listening to a lot more of those shows. Fall asleep to them every night. Great history lesson on those individual things. Good mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm happy that we went with this one. The, the, the awards selection is a lot more difficult than you think that it would be, you know, especially having been a fan of wrestling, your PWI stuff and the WWF slammies and all that stuff forever to actually then go through and try to make choices. You do want to walk a line where we don't want to just have awards or recognize people that everybody else does, right? Because what fun is that? But at the same time, you don't want to go too far off the beaten path to where it's hard. It's you trying to justify something that can't be justified or, you know, sort of square, square an end that, that really doesn't, uh, doesn't fit the actual make there, the mark. With this wrestling podcast, I know that there are great ones out there, man, and they're, they're hilarious and they're entertaining and, you know, you go through the the Rolodex of your something to wrestles and your Jim Cornettes and your uh, Tony Schiavone and all those other men, they're all awesome. The reason that I voted for Les Thatcher was I found this one. I found this one this year and it was just one of those deals where I was surfing through. I used downcast to listen to observer stuff and it would by default download. And I don't remember exactly when the first time I heard the show was, but it was I, I basically st- one of those deals where you start it and you're busy so you don't switch. And then all of a sudden it's like 15 minutes in and I'm, I'm captivated and then it's over and it's an hour long. And you think, wow, that was a really, really easily digestible listen. And not only that, you get a perspective of a guy who is as well-respected as anybody in the business and he's not being a gimmick, right? That's what I really, really like about less is that for you know, Shivani has has had several shticks on his show throughout, and that's what made me really fall back in love with Tony Shivani was the personality that he showed on his podcast. Um, you know, Bruce Pritchard is hilarious, but at the same time, you, you knew that he was only you know, he was playing he was playing a gimmick the, a lot, and you're only getting some of what could be said simply because. Either A, he still had friends in the the company, or B, he's back in the company now. And so he's not going to cross any lines, and he's not going to do anything there, and he shouldn't. I understand that. Cornette has turned into an actual parody of of what he was before. And again, it's, it's what his audience wants, and it's awesome. What I like about Les, though, is that I feel like I'm getting his actual honest opinion on things, and it's justified with either things that he's booked or things that he's seen or at matches or angles he was in or guys that he's trained or whatever. You are getting a look at the business through a set of eyes that is just as credible, if not more credible than all those other big names that I said. And because it's just this little one hour blip on the observer feed, uh, it's it's for a niche audience and it's really good, man. It is. Uh, Vic does an incredible job being the point man and leading the conversation, directing the topics and everything. And what I like about Les, and I believe I said this before on this show, 
is that I can listen to less and I don't agree with everything that he says, especially when it comes to things like it's easy to, to hate on, you know, the young bucks or whatever. But when it's something like Orange Cassidy, where, you know, he wants no part of Orange Cassidy. And I think that he's really wrong there. But Vic, or excuse me, um, Les doesn't make me feel stupid for liking Orange Cassidy. That's what I really like about it is that he will present his side and he will say why this is illogical or this doesn't work or whatever. Uh, but again, it's not one of those things where he's not calling you, you know, an effing idiot or whatever because you liked a match that he didn't. And and I really respect that and I appreciate that. So yes, if you have an Observer subscription and you haven't checked it out. Wrestling Weekly with Vic Sosa and Les Thatcher. It is an excellent listen. Once a week, again, easy to easy easy to listen to. Uh, check it out. Next category is Commentator of the Year. So we have two nominations, and they are Nigel McGuinness for Ring of Honor and I believe Collision as well. And we also have Excalibur for AW2. So. The winner of Commentator of the Year is Excalibur. So he back-to-back winner here. He won it last year. He's back again this year. Um, I mean, when you think of uh, one show and the voice of that show, and it's the the voice of the brand really is is Excalibur. So I don't know if there's you can I don't know if adding another voice or who the who the voice is after Excalibur because he's so young that he could do this literally forever. And or as long as they want to stick around. But I know that, you know, they have some legendary voices in there with Jim Ross and Tony and Taz and all that. And he and Excalibur still has carved his way to, you know, really lay the landscape and paint the picture for you on a weekly basis. I think you guys are all crazy and it should have been Nigel. <laughs> all three of you are crazy. I'm I'm the I'm the real hero. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like Excalibur. It's it, it's not only the serious moments that he can sort of downshift into, but it's also the fast moments where he can really upshift into those and keep up with it. And then it's the goofy stuff, right? It's the it's the really fast like match card reading. Mm-hmm. That kind of, you know, it's it's one of those little inside things, but it's really funny. Uh, the interactions, the personal interactions on the air between him and uh, one of my honorable mentions, Yambag Jones, Taz, um, and Shivani, and sort of the way, um, sort of the way they all interact together, um, and it and a lot of it is just the low key, snarky, fun humor from him. So I think, I think, you know, he has a great ensemble around him, but you know, he's the point guard, and he's the guy who's calling all of it, and then you know, passing it off at the same time. And he does, he does a wonderful job. He, every week I look forward to listening to him. Yeah. And then other, other nominees here that we have mentioning uh, Kevin Kelly, you know, him making the transition over out of new Japan and into AEW this year. Uh, Yambag Jones. We got Taz in there as well. Michael Cole. I feel like Michael Cole has had a, a fresh paint of coat this year. Like he did. I, I think so too. I think he did. I, I feel like he's been doing a great job. Not yeah. getting yelled at apparently has a really nice effect on you. God, imagine that, right? Yeah, I know. Uh, we also had Wade Barrel, uh, Wade Barrel, Wade Barrett, uh, and uh, Chris Carlton. So, yeah, Chris Carlton is a guy that took over. 
um, for um, for Kevin Kelly in New Japan. He was working with Kevin Kelly for a long time, and then he took over. So Chris Charlton, an interesting guy, because he's a historian um, that's written a couple books on on New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, and I own every one of them, and I haven't read any of them yet. Um, I have, just haven't gotten to it, but that guy's done a really good job stepping in on the fly and being the main guy and, and just running with it. And, and it's look, it's not it's not the same. You, any, anytime you change. Um, the lead, uh, the lead commentator, you know, on the show, um, it's it's going to feel a little different. Um, and look, man, New Japan's had a, had a, an interesting year because they they're in a transition right now. They just made a change with president. You know, they they made a change on commentary to a new guy, um, and they had to do that. You know, they just because uh, sometimes things happen. The thing I and the thing I like about New Japan too, man, is like they're it feels like they're always in a, in a position where they've got to quickly reinvent or they've got to quickly pivot on certain things. And, you know, you've got Kevin Kelly that just, you know, contract was running out, wanted to come to the States. They had to hurry up and get somebody ready. And I, Chris Charlton's excellent. He's done an excellent job so far filling in for uh, filling into that lead spot. And and you, you can't have a better guy in there that knows that knows that product, you know, frontwards and backwards, man. And for him to have that knowledge and, and be able to, to do that job that quickly on the fly is, is really impressive. One right. thing too, about, um, about Excalibur that I wanted to mention too, um, just the fact that he's so good at, at quickly covering things up um, is a real, is a real testament to him. Like anytime, any, anytime anything happens in the ring, like he's, he's really quick to um, jump on top of it. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, it's really good. He's really, he's really a quick witted guy, um, that's on top of, on top of his game pretty much the whole way through the show. Um, and it's, it's pretty impressive to see him be able to, um, to just, to just jump in quickly and, and commentate on something that may have gone wrong or, you know, somebody misses a move and he's just, he's the first guy, the first voice you hear is him explaining something. And it's really impressive. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. That is pretty impressive that he's able to jump in so quickly when everything wrong can go is happening in the ring. And yet you're right. I, I actually that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. We'll go with a, a honorable mention first with Nigel McGuinness. Nigel McGuinness was excellent in NXT, and I was very happy that they brought him on to Collision whenever that show started. This the new just dig your heels in as a heel, Nigel McGuinness is awesome he is absolutely as close to a jesse ventura as we can have in this modern day to where he he's not over the top i'm just only rooting for bad guys he's rooting for bad guys in ways that are clever in ways that make you laugh um but also in ways where he almost presents it like the bad guys are right because, or the, the bad guys justified because. Um, other thing I absolutely love about Nigel is the uh, the consistent Danielson digs because, you know, they were lifelong rivals and enemies. And the fact that he says stuff like, you know, Brian Danielson, without a doubt, is my second favorite person in this tournament. And Kevin Kelly says, well, who's you? Who do you have in front of him, Nigel? And he says, oh, everybody else that's in the tournament tied. Uh, you know, like those things are they pop me, man. And 
I, I think that he's really done a great job and I'm happy that he's back and I'm hopeful that he stays on for a while. Uh, that booth with him, Kevin Kelly and Tony Schiavone is excellent. My only complaint is that I do think Kevin Kelly is the best play-by-play guy in the world. And I wish that Kevin Kelly was steering the ship rather than uh, Schiavone. But look, man, it's, it is what it is, is. The fact that we have those three voices makes those Saturday night shows excellent. And I'm hopeful to hear plenty more uh, of those in the future. Now, as for our winner, uh, my I think that Excalibur is the best in the business for a do-it-all kind of deal. So Kevin Kelly calls matches the best. I think that Nigel's personality is the best. Um, another big-time runner-up for me is Taz. The, the more that Taz has settled in with that group in AEW, he's, he's one where I genuinely feel like he's having a good time in the booth. And those are always really good commentary teams to listen to. The ones that you know uh, that you know they're they're in on each other's jokes, or they'll they'll bust each other's balls, or they'll break each other, or whatever in little spots and moments. And he's excellent at that. Botchamania also helps because we get insepid tab, Taz commentary. Um, but for Excalibur, he does the show rundowns. I mean, this dude can read through thirty six matches in 15 seconds and not miss a beat it's incredible uh, whenever it comes to the actual in-ring stuff he knows as many different move names as anyone i've ever heard in my entire life so i grew up listening to vince mcmahon's you know that that whole what, what a maneuver trope and here you have Exc- excalibur you know who taught me the difference between uh tope suicida tope con hero um you know he knows the difference between uh, little things that you don't hear every day, even now, between a brain buster or a suplex, or you know, he, he could go into all the different details with different submissions, your stretch plums, and he knows the difference between a crossface and an STF, which nobody else does anymore. So it is for all those reasons that I do think that I think that he's the best. He has really, really established himself as the voice of AEW, and I know that when the company started, that Jim Ross was absolutely the right hire because it helped them with some of that instant credibility. He was doing those New Japan matches. He was familiar with some of the faces. It made a lot of sense. But as JR gets older, you know, and, and he has his own health problems and everything, uh, Excalibur has really done a tremendous job in steering the ship between at least two and sometimes three or even four other people, depending on if they're having guest commentators or whatever there. And the fact that he can juggle all those different personalities, still tee people up and call the matches. I think he's, I think he's slam dunk winner. All right. So our next category is manager of the year. And uh, we have a, the winner last year was Paul Heyman. He's back on the list again. As a nominee, so we got Paul Heyman as a nomination, and we have Prince Nana, and the winner is Prince Nana, and just, there's been, I don't think there's been anybody else this year that has had a bigger come up than Nana, just the dance, the hokiness of it, just all of it, the good year that Swerve had too, like, very, very impressive year from Nana, and I, what more can you say about this guy? He's, he's awesome. And he, he has a really good presence on social media as well. He is an excellent entertainer. He's unbelievable on the mic. He's underrated. Still, he's underrated. That guy is excellent. I totally agree. He's yeah, like, what's a, interesting he's is, like an 80s manager, man. Like an old school, like, 
like yeah. uh, like 1980s manager that is just like over the top character, you know, and it's 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 awesome. That was what I was gonna say. They Paul Heyman and him, they're 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 good managers in different ways. Yes. Uh they they contribute to the presentation in different ways. Paul adds a more serious tone, uh, where Nana adds a more fun, gimmicky, get the crowd together. It's you know, audience engagement that helps get him over. Whereas, and I mean, it, and it's weird too because Swerve is like a heel, but he's also popular yeah. because it's 2023, Shades of Grey, whatever. And Heyman is with, you know, Roman, who is a heel and, you know, gets the heel response. Um, so he, they, they contribute to the presentations in good ways and in different ways. And um, I think it's just an interesting contrast of styles. And it's, it's wonderful to see because Nana, correct me if I'm wrong, has been a wrestler before, was a wrestler uh, before and has kind of look at, I mean, he looks like he's a little bit older now, so that's, but it, but he was, you know, popular and influential in that scene in that time. So now he's getting his moment in the sun in a different way. And that's wonderful. Yeah, we also have mentions here, too, of uh, Don Callis, uh, Robert Stone, Luther. Um, you know, Callis was a big mention on here last year uh, with all the stuff that he did with Kenny. But this year he turned with Takeshita. Um, so he did really good work as well. Uh, but, yeah, I, no one's touched Nana this year, and it's been really fun to see. Uh, Luther had a, had a pretty funny year <laughs> with this, uh, with this, with this uh, Tony Storm thing. Yeah, that too. He's not doing much, but I'm I'm just glad he's on TV and he's getting a paycheck. We got to get that Luther. We need we need a Luther figure. I don't know why we haven't gotten a Luther figure yet. Look, if I could get paid to walk around, hold Tony Storm's championship, and occasionally carry her around, sign me up all day. That sounds like a pretty good gig. <laughs> that's a that's a hell of a gig. Better than screaming. I, look, we had I had Robert Stone on here on mine too. Um, I know people don't like him. I've always liked him. I liked him when he was in Impact. I think that guy's entertaining. And he's he's an over-the-top character that is purposely purposely does the things he does. Um, and it's it for me it works. I don't know. I know it doesn't work for a lot of people, but I, I think Robert Stone just is hilarious. <laughs> uh yeah. So this one was easy. And to go with Prince Nana, you want to talk about so a manager's job is to get to get their talent over, right? That's why they're there. And even though Dick Togo successfully tomahawk chopped a man in the ball sack in a G1 semifinal, uh, I, he was edged out by the guy who helped get a guy that is great to the next level, and that's Prince Nana. Because the reality of it is that that swerve Strickland, and you'll hear it. You know, we'll talk about this. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again on this show. That swerve was in that sort of mogul embassy. I'm putting together a ragtag group of guys, and eh. and Prince Nana's personality, man, getting over that swerve when I drive and that dance, he caught fire, and I think that it really helped people. As much of a cartoon as Nana is, I think that it helped people take Swerve more seriously. I think it it's helped crazy. people take. I think it helped people take uh, Cage more seriously too, man. Look, is he? He's being, 
he seems like he's a little reinvigorated. And also, I mean, you and I talked about this before, like uh, the gates of agony stuff. How much, how much better are they right now? No, they, and you're, you're exactly right. That entire faction, it was, it was almost misfit toys ish, how it got put together. And the fact that everybody ended 2023 in much better places than when they started. These are, these are small victories where, the frustrations that I have with AEW are even more frustrating because it isn't something where everybody sucks, right? Like every, everybody's squandering and no, no one's getting anywhere. There is real progress being made with a bunch of new people and new faces. And this has been an absolute refresher and my non moment of the year. Absolutely. Number one was the uh, death match with page where page is about to kill Nana to death. And Nana stops and then does the swerve when I drive dance in front of Hangman because everybody else loves it. So why maybe Adam will too. And he gets killed anyways. Uh, That was, and that's, that's such a classic, you know, that's like a 19, that's a Bobby Heenan spot, right? Like something that you would have seen that you would have seen whenever he was, you know, getting chased around by the warrior. Like if he'd have done a gorilla press or something like that over his head to try to pop the warrior and to see that, that was I, that was one of my, you know, sort of standout moments of that match where that match had a million different things in it that were insane. And that one really, really brought a smile to my face. So, yeah, well, well deserved, Prince Nana. Uh, okay, so the next category is weekly show of the year. And I know we're going to have some debate into this one because we have some pretty, these next two categories, really. So uh, last year's winner was SmackDown. Uh, that is back again as a nomination. So SmackDown. We have Dynamite, WWE Raw, first appearance here too, which is a wild pick too. Uh, And we have NXT. And uh, the winner is NXT. And I know for myself, my pick was SmackDown. I just felt like it's it's a snack. It's it's much more enjoyable two-hour watch. Um, I wouldn't even mention Dynamite this year. I felt like Dynamite's been way too all over the place. Now, they have good moments and they have good matches, but I feel like the show from start to finish is not, is not the show that it used to be. Um, and then, you know, I, I really, I'm surprised that JC put raw, but I know why he put raw because, um, because of, you know, Cody and Rollins and all that, uh, interesting pick for, you know, three hour show. Uh, but I know that, um, we, there was a lot of discussion of NXT. So Andretti, give us the NXT, uh, how that won. Yeah, I think this was the first one that we went through where all four of us had a different pick, right? Yes. It's, it's crazy to think that. I mean, even as much as we talk to each other and as much as what we do these shows, like everybody still had a different opinion on um, on on the, you know, the weekly show. Um, NXT, to me, was the number one because um, they create their own their own environment and they're really good about, about living within that environment. Um, and they've made the parking lot part of the show. Um, they they've done a really good job just making things feel super inclusive within NXT. And they've, like I said, they've created their own environment, their own universe down there that exists separately from the WWE. Obviously it's connected, you know, to the, to the main shows and everything else. But um, it just from a, from a consistency standpoint, now look, is it, is it the best show every single week? versus everybody else every single week no it's not always the number one show of the week but it was the number one show of the year for me because of the fact that it was it was consistently the same thing they were all pretty entertaining 
for the most part, it was all pretty good stuff. The booking was good. You know, the, the presentation, the presentation and the booking all to me made the whole the whole thing just feel like it was a, uh, an inclusive an inclusive environment and that to me was was why i thought it was better than some of the other ones and for the other ones that you know we had we had changes and changes in direction you know on the other ones i mean dynamite doesn't know who the hell they are at this point you know they're they don't even know who they are right now but um you know with the with the wwe shows obviously there was it, it was different when you get a new guy, a new guy in charge, it's a little, it's a little bit of a different thing. And there was a, an adjustment, you know, this year with that. So it just felt like, it felt like NXT was the one that was the, the most uh, consistent. Yeah. So I, I went with Raw on this one. I only really get time to watch Raw and Dynamite. Those are my two. And I, during, you know, when, when my job is more in session than not, you know, I, it's hard for me to sit there and be super analytical. I just want to sit down and be entertained. And they both do it in different ways. Like it's 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 easy for me because when I sit down and watch wrestling more often than not, I want to shut my brain off. I don't want to be super analytical and I don't want to sit there and oh well, he didn't fully rotate this triple Google plancha. And oh this storyline didn't make perfect sense in the real world. Well, yeah, it's all suspension of disbelief and fake hokey bullshit when yeah. it comes to storylines with them, right? Like it doesn't matter which one you watch, it, 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 it they're never going to perfectly line. And for me, Raw has a lot of people I like to see. I know people don't like Rollins and I know people don't like the world heavyweight title, but if we're being honest, you see that title every week. You don't see the WWE title every week. And so for me, that is the big title. I would rather see that title because Roman is stale as shit. You know, and until they bring Cody back around to him, it's going to stay stale as shit. That's just where I'm at. I don't, I don't so, know if it's, it's, it's stale now. I think we're getting there. I think we're getting stale with it. But it's it's interesting with Aldis now. You know, the thing with Aldis from this past week was pretty entertaining. And, and, and I will, I, and I will say that. And I will say that. That with him, with all this having a, you know, him having a foil with all this. And we've got, we've got a pretty good amount of people right now that are legitimate contenders, you know, for him. So I, I I don't, I don't know where they're going to go with it, but I, I feel like it's, I feel like it actually was kind of down a little bit, but now we might be coming out of that already out of the, uh, out of the dip because there's people that came back and you got the oldest thing in there too now. So maybe, maybe it's getting a little bit better here. Sure. And I hope so. I hope it does because I want to see that title. I want to see Roman and I want to see, you know, I honestly like, and people again complain about the nonsensicalness of having two top belts. They are two different brands. They're on different nights. And I think they have done a better job under Triple H of those two not necessarily coming together and it being, you know, I, I think there is more of a brand separation. So I think there is something to be said for either having two top belts one for each promotion or having two mid card belts that means something and then there is an overall champion which they sure. kind of did that for a while with roman and i like that too but um as for getting back to raw you know i they have the top stars you want to see and then they added punk um so i i've really liked what they've done with shinsuke um i thought really elevating him giving him something them figuring out recording him uh was the best choice i thought you know i thought that was a good move um 
I like Seth. I know some people don't. I know some people are sick of him. I know some people want to strip the belt off of him and move on. Sure, I can see that. But And I like Drew. I like what they're doing with him. Uh, it's a little bit more based in frustration and reality, so I don't mind that. But again, I'm not super analyzing this either. So like, someone could sit there and say, well, this, 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 and this, and they could come up with a reason why it doesn't sound good. But you can do that to literally. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where for me it's nice i can enjoy it um for what it is do i watch and pay attention to every second of it no three hours is a long ass time and i just <laughs> quite frankly i just spent several hours teaching and was at work all day so you know i at that point sometimes i do just want to shut my brain off and enjoy the entertainment of it and then on Wednesday nights, I can watch the technical side of it. So if there's some storytelling and some entertainment on one and some technical great matches in the other, that suits me just fine. Yeah, and then we also have other mentions of CMLL and uh, OVW, too, for Weekly Show. For um, I was going to mention, too, about CMLL. Like I, it's They've gone to a platform now where you got to pay for it every week. So it's about it's about $5 a Friday to watch those shows. Look, man, I can't commit $20 a month to, to, to CMLL. You know, I, I just can't do it. But um, they were putting them on YouTube. They all, You could watch the shows for free on YouTube there for a long time. And then they went to the paid the paid thing. Um, I will say this, man. It, when, when CMLL is good, it is the best weekly show. It, it really is. Even with even with the Spanish commentary, and you don't really know, you know, unless you know some Spanish, you don't really know what's going on. I, I can kind of pick it up a little bit. Um, but... I'm telling you, man, those are super entertaining shows. They make those shows feel special. It's a big crowd every single Friday. Um, it's they're they're just fun. They're super fun, man. They're super fun to watch. It's it's great wrestling. I love I love watching CMLL, man. I really do. And then for um for the OVW stuff, um, I don't watch it every week, but I, I want to just make sure people understand. Like OVW is live. They are live every single week. So there, it's not it's not a tape it's not a tape show like they're going like they're going live the way that Raw goes live you know what I mean so, so it's like it's really impressive what they're able to do and they've been doing it for a really long time man so if you if you get a chance to you know jump on uh, jump online and catch those OVW shows live or catch them after the fact they're pretty good they're pretty damn entertaining man so it's worth it's worth checking that stuff out and the Booker's Al Snow who does a great job they, they there's a really good documentary right now on Netflix I think it's called Wrestlers. Um, that is like a six part series, six part limited series, I think, that kind of walks through OVW and their challenges that they have. And obviously, you know, small promotion, they've got money problems like everybody else does, right? And they're trying to juggle that. And they've got, you know, um, they've got money people that, that, that are just, they interject a little too much, you know, and Snow is an, is an old school guy. You know, and that doesn't always work well with talent and, and, and with the money guy, right? So it's really entertaining to see that, the behind-the-scenes look at OVW. I think it's called Wrestlers. It's on Netflix. Um, it's great. Uh, but OVW, man, like, they they do they do a good job with their own environment, too, and making you, you know, making you feel like you're a part of something that is inclusive um, with them. So that's it's worth uh, it's worth giving that a shot, too. And just the, just the fact that they're live and they run those shows live um, – on you know online it's it, dude awesome it's awesome to see it so nxt is the winner here is the best choice for weekly show and here's why so we were we were split as a group going from what we had thought and the cool thing about it was everybody chose different shows for different reasons 
Uh, it wasn't like it was just, you know, this is my, you know, this is my favorite. This is what I watch or whatever. Uh, there was, there was justification that was put behind each of them. And the most deserving of the bunch though, would have been NXT is NXT. And the reason why is that show, when it went from the black and gold brand to 2.0, I do understand that they had a change in direction that they wanted to, you know, basically blow it up and start it back up as true developmental and all those. I, I get it. The reality though, is that you had a bunch of people that were nowhere close to being ready for television Wrestling in matches that were very either simple or overly choreographed. You had people that were not comfortable being in front of the microphone because, you know, they were everything from whatever fitness uh, models to, you know, D1 athletes or whatever else it might have been that they don't get all of that prep time, you know, to talk to crowds and to do everything else that you would get. If you were just, you know, Johnny 20 year old that's on the road and you learn how to work a, uh, you know, a bingo hall, and then you go to a fire hall and then you get into a small arena. There was no progression there with a lot of those people. And they wore a lot of those warts. And then when they gave Sean the, the, the actual, you know, the command of the ship, what he created was the most fun show on television where you have everything from wacky gimmicks to like just top tier, you know, knock them down, drag them out, brawl fights and everything in between. You know, on this show, we had the we had the gangster mobsters. We have a fake university that is riddled with a gambling scandal that we know is tied to these fake mobsters. We have a heritage cup and then a fake heritage cup also introduced. Uh, we have the rise of new women's talent with the showcase women's division, the best young wrestling lady in the world with Roxanne Perez. And then you have this soon to be mega, mega, mega star with Tiffany Stratton. Um, and, and even if you look at some of their, I don't want to call her a secondary character. She's the champion right now. Uh, Lyra Valkyria, um, you know, Cora Jade is somebody that, you know, one Cora Jade promo is every Cora Jade promo, but you know what, man, like she, she's somebody that can be on TV. Uh, and then to go from our women's division was just toxic attraction all the time to really, really reshape itself into a true women's division with people that aren't just toxic attraction in different places. I think that that is something to be commended. They took, we had uh, Braun Breaker as everybody's pick to be, you know, the next Mania main eventer a year from now, you know, what would have been in 2022. And what they did was they gave him a heel run. And, you th and at the time you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is stupid. Why would you do it? And then if you go back to the actual, you know, the, the sort of the schematics behind it, we've got, if this guy is going to be a main roster guy, then he should get a run at both. And I think it's been great for Braun. And we have the whole Trick and Carmelo deal. I mean, this this show has so many different layers. Oh my gosh! And then also, I'd be remiss in not talking about the uh, the 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 Virgin and uh, the Fornicator. You know, the uh, for Kiana James to come in there and just whisk away the love of Brooks Jensen when everybody in the world can see that she's just going to dupe him anyways. Um, Fallon Henley has land in a bar. <laughs> You know, like these just little, little things like Valen's land, uh, the, all those little, uh, those little skits and vignettes of them being in the bar, dude, and, and talking through all that stuff too. It's all 
so campy that it works. And that's what I really like about it is that if these people are able to embrace these characters and are able to get better the way that these that this roster has over 2023, then they can do anything. You know, like if you, if you can sink your teeth into being uh, a mob guy and then you you need a character change later on, you can do it, brother, because you talk the audience into believing that, you know, that you were out here literally you know, being the, the new uh, Tony Soprano or whatever. Uh, and so that roster has been awesome. Matches are all good to very good to great. Um, and, and I don't want to say all, but for the most part, because you still you do have developmental people. And again, week to week, I will not watch NXT and not be entertained. And so I'm happy that we went with that one. I do want to shout out, though. I know Dynamite makes a lot of people mad, but Dynamite has had incredible matches all year. And I, I can't not mention Dynamite because of that. It's We've never had the, the opportunity to see four-plus star matches almost weekly the way that we have now. And what sucks about that is that it's happened so often that people are just sort of I don't want to say sick of it, but it's lost its wow factor. And that's a shame because I do believe that if you were to go back and rewatch these dynamites in 15 or 20 years, as hokey as some of the storylines might be, and there might be continuity holes and all that other stuff, you're going to see a lot of great wrestling. And that's not, that hasn't been the case. If you go back and watch raw from 1993, um, you're going to see characters that we pop at, but you're also going to see a lot of, uh, you know, Damian Demento versus The Undertaker, and you're not really getting that at Dynamite. You know, you're getting your uh, Danielsons versus, you know, Guy X, uh, your your Swerves and Moxleys, all those other things. So, yeah, Dynamite deserves it. at least a shout out, little shout out. Booker of the Year is the next category. And we have some, we have two new nominations or we had triple, we didn't have triple H last year, but um, the triple H and Shawn Michaels are the two nominations and uh, Shawn Michaels is Booker of the year. So uh, I, I personally, I think that it should be triple H and I think it should be triple H because he's running two brands that are set that, Basically, for what JC said, they're two separate brands that they run separate from each other. They've totally they've made those shows feel different and that they have their own characters now and they're not trading back and forth and running hokey bullshit like which with what Vince, you know, has done. Um, and, you know, I know that Sean Sean's the winner here and Sean has much limited uh, roster base to deal with and creating that. Um, but I just feel that I my vote was for trips. Sean got the win. but. Um, but yeah, it's we got we got two new. We didn't even really mention Tony Khan at all, even though he is a mention. But um, I just didn't think that Tony. I think Tony did not do a good job this year. No. Uh, it's for me. It should not be Triple H, and the reason there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, the fact that he was not running the show himself this whole year. Okay, so the consistency of the whole year was Shawn Michaels, and he did a great job. Um, the second the second part of that is just the fact that you know things are things happen above Michaels that are out of Michaels's control and they've got to pivot. And that's what happens when people get pulled up or people get released that, that not everybody in the company even knows that that's the stuff's even going on. Um, it's, it's it, being able to move on the fly is important as a booker and being able to create that environment. Um, it's, it, it's Michaels because of the consistency of the whole, that's, that's where I go with it. 
I had Triple H, and and I think it's worth noting here that we're singling out two, maybe three individuals if we count, you know, whatever Tony Khan called booking this year. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're singling these people out because they're the faces of it, but if we're being honest, they're all working on a team, right? Um, So shout out to everybody else behind the scenes who doesn't get the credit for, you know, all that kind of stuff for it. Uh, your road dogs, your Michael P.S. Hayes, dude, dude, dude of the world. Um, so they definitely deserve some credit as well. Um, and everybody, it's not just those particular that I just shouted out. But uh, I had Triple H because he made WWE watchable and I cared about it, uh, which is a big change from last year. And even if he took over halfway through or, you know, whenever the official changeover took place, uh, that that's kind of a Herculean feat, um, in my book, uh, for making that watchable, even three hours. If you can watch two, two and a half, two and a quarter, the three hours, mm-hmm. uh, that's a lot to do. Um, he's made. I would I wouldn't say as much of the U.S. title, but I guess if you, I guess if you're a SmackDown person, but he's definitely made the IC title worth watching. Um, he's pushed people who you haven't seen in a while or you've wanted to see be pushed. Um, I mean, just Chad Gable. Yeah. Um, well, in the IC title race. 30 names. There's probably 30 names. Yeah. Say yeah. That was the, the ones I've called out were a couple there, but he's done such a great job with that. And again, I only really watch Raw. I don't watch SmackDown, so I can't comment on what happens on SmackDown as much, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go forward into the new year what they're going to do with the with roman and the titles some people like to troll that they are going to continue that for another year uh i'm not sure that that's going to happen um so it will be interesting to see how they conclude some of those long-term storylines with the ic title and seth and his title and roman and the, the wwe universal conglomerate tko gold belt of doom um whatever they're going to do with that and how they're going to bring those to a close and then start something new um so i'm to wrap it up nicely i'm I'm looking forward to where they're going to go next not what they have done but i have hope and a little bit of trust in the wwe booking now and that is a big part of the reason why yeah uh, i mean i'd say i agree with that too probably for the first time since the late 90s (laughs) you know what i mean like that's probably the first time since then that I actually, I actually, I look forward to watching these shows every week. the uh, The only other, the only other person I want to shout out with the Booker thing was uh, was Al Snow, which is what I said earlier. Just the fact that they're running those shows live, and he deserves uh, a mention here for Booker of the Year because that it's a hell of a feat, man, to run a to run a live show every week, you know, and not have not have the uh, the benefit of going back and editing after the fact. I mean, that's a hell of a, a hell of an operation, right? That is, is that the reasons that I voted for Michaels for Booker were all the reasons that I had stated for why NXT was the show of the year. Um, for me, this was an easy pick. And it also really, yeah, as I was going through why I chose Sean for Booker, it sort of solidified my thoughts on NXT being the show of the year. All right, our next category is Guilty Pleasure of the Year, and this was another category where we actually had all four different nominations. So uh, we have Roddy Strong with Next Strong. We have Alpha Academy, Dabakato, 
and our truth are the nominations and the winner is alpha academy and uh this one i nominated alpha academy just because i felt that you know even though they are on raw like they they had really funny moments uh you know they had like chad gable had his moment with the ic uh championship stuff the other we had the otis stuff backstage then they had maxine dupree add in there then they added Tazawa with this little dance do that they've been doing. And I just felt that they've been anytime they were on the screen, like I wanted to watch, I wanted to see what they were going to do, even though that it is most likely going to be hokey campy stuff that they were going to do, but it was at least super entertaining and a very long show that is raw. So um, that's pretty much why I, they, they got the nomination for me. Looks like uh, Mongoose went with um, with Roderick Strong on that one. I, I picked Dalbacado as <laughs> my nominee. Dude, I love Dalbacado, man. I I wish that guy was the, the world champion. It is, it's, it's, it, the, the, look, the category is guilty pleasure, and that's what this is. Um, just every time, there's just, there, there's people in the industry that, that when they come on screen, you just pop and you just like them for whatever reason, right? And and, and everybody hates Dabakato and it made me like Dabakato, right? And I for the for, for the other mentions, I kind of just went with the theme. I had Satinum Sing, that's my next one, Omos and 2023 Paul White. That's all my all my mentions for guilty pleasure uh nomination this year. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I had I had R Truth um on there. The guy's a national treasure. You can't help but enjoy the goofy shtick um, that he does. It just seems like a good, wholesome human. And I will also say, looking at it, The Miz was another good one. He had a really good, um, I thought it was a good short program, but good program with um, with Gunther. I thought Miz had a great year, man. 2023 was a great year for him. Yeah, I agree overall. And you know, you can tell that, okay, he's definitely trying to be a heel, and he's good at it. He is annoying as shit. Um, but you can tell that he actually does care, and he takes it seriously. So he is a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine as well. What else do we have on there? We had uh, Next Abaddon. Strong. <laughs> Abaddon and Great O'Conn. I almost put, put Great O'Conn on mine. And look, the guy's so good, dude. Great O'Connor, man. We could do a whole show on that guy, man. Just the, the jumping chops and the yelling. I mean, that he should be he should be at the top of the list every year. But uh, I mean, I know Mongers put Abaddon on here, man. That just it I I it I don't understand it, man. Like <laughs> it's just it's not for me. That that character is just not for me. It's too much. Not my cup of tea. No. Otis Otis is always going to pop people, right? And what I do appreciate about the booking with Otis, especially over the last year, is that he's sort of rekindled some of his magic, right? It's it's really going to take a long, uh, it's going to be a long road for him to get back the the whole Mandy Rose kind of deal, right? Uh, But he has done a wonderful job in embracing being, you know, the the big, you know, hokey, let me go back on that. He's done a wonderful job being the big Ophi guy with the super athlete. You know, I think that those little odd couple teams have always worked and they work great together. Um, he has credibility in the ring. He has 
been everywhere from Raw and then to go back to NXT. Uh, you know, the dude, the dude just got slammed by uh, Lash Legend. You know, so that's what what else is cool is that Otis is here to play ball, and you always love to see that. They embrace who they are. You know, they had their Tazawa and, and that sprinkled in there too, and so good for them. But I have to put over uh, my my favorite personal my guilty pleasure is Roddy Strong and uh, the Next Strong Gang. Look, man, I if you would have gave me uh, you said here, give me a list of your five least favorite pro wrestlers right now at the start of 2023. Um, I would have had Taven and Bennett as two of the top five, and those two being true second bananas to a guy that wore a fake neck brace that has all of the insane histrionics around him, you know, getting out of his wheelchair and doing all that other stuff. Uh, And then them carrying around the giraffe because the giraffe has the strongest neck and all those little uh, vignettes and things that they were doing where they were having Adam Cole mow their grass and making peanut butter jelly sandwiches and all this other stuff. It, that sort of mirrors what I just said, all the good things I said about NXT, is that it's it's that hokey, campy, but it works for me kind of deal. And those guys totally embraced it, and nobody's expecting Roddy Strong to go out there and challenge MJF legitimately for a championship. But every time he's on TV, he's got himself insanely over. He brings an actual genuine smile to my face, and I love seeing the next Strong crew. Uh, but all right, next category. This is uh, now back to a serious one. We have pay-per-view of the year, and this is a unanimous decision. And it was without a doubt WWE backlash. The one, yeah, from- we all went. We all went for it, man. That was the that was the only one that I think all four of us had it right. Yeah, all all of us had backlash. Unanimous pick. Uh, it just from the very opening scene where they flew that drone through uh, from outside into the building unreal the response for uh zelina vega's entrance then you had um bad bunny's entrance you had like cody actually getting a win against brock lesnar um you had quang quang in it and quanging him out like this this show (laughs) had all of it except for a world title match and which is insane to say that that we didn't was need them. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't need them. They need it. They got show. They got they got show of the year and didn't even need Reigns. Yeah, because you had Quang. Because you had Quang, dude. You had Quang on there. But I mean, over the, forever. The thing, the thing that you were saying about the drone shot. I mean, like it. They, I. They need to do more of this because they they set the tone really early with how special it was, right? And they they made it feel like you were a part of something when you were either there or you were watching it live. They, that is what I'm talking about, about feeling like you're part of an environment, feeling like you're included. And it's an inclusive environment of everybody who's a part of this. And no, nobody has ever, maybe maybe nobody's ever done it better than that Backlash show. Yeah. I mean, it was so well done. It was great, man. That was one of my favorite pay-per-views or PLEs I've ever seen. And then other mentions we have here, Mongoose wanted to mention AEW, and we all know that how he feels about all of the AEW shows. Uh, he had Revolution, Forbidden Door, Wrestle Dream, and All In. Uh, we all know that Mongoose would would have been here today, uh, but he 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 loves those, and, and he's not wrong. Like those AEW shows, they deliver. But it, bell to bell, they're great. 
yes, when standalone shows, they're fantastic. They're great. But, you know, I for all that was backlash this year, it was by far the best PLE pay-per-view that they did all year. Those shows were all good. I, I just don't know if I felt like they were special as the backlash show felt. Yeah. Agreed. That hasn't already been said. Uh, the fact that they started that show with that drone shot was really is magic is a corny thing to say, but it was a really, really awesome start to the show, man. And it set the tone for what we were going to see. And it just goes to show that how important crowds are, you know, go to shows and have fun. Don't go to shows and try to, you know, hijack it and get yourselves over as crowds go there and cheer the heels and boo the baby faces. Well, I guess in that show that they sort of turned on uh, Bianca a little bit. Uh, but when you when you chew the heels, when you boo the baby faces, and whenever you just get involved in matches, not only is it more fun to attend a show that way, but it it helps the show overall, man. That show wouldn't have been the show of the year if it wasn't for that crowd. And so they that crowd absolutely deserves the recognition of show of the year because that was literally 2023, 25 years later or whatever, the, the Canadian Stampede. You know, a B show that had, well, we did have Cody and Brock, but up and down, there was nothing that stood out as this, oh my gosh, here's this insane, you know, five-star match coming, can't wait for it. Those weren't there, but everybody that was there was mega, mega over, and especially the hometown people and the service that they paid to the hometown people. The same way at the Canadian Stampede, where you had all the Heart Foundation people just going insane for every little thing that they did. You know, we got Savio, who then quanged. We got uh, Carlito that they exploded for. Uh, Zelina Vega balling in the ring, like, before the match even started. Those things were all really cool, man. And I was very, very happy to, to have experienced that in live time. All right, now we're getting into our uh, prospects and the uh, signed and unsigned. And this is a big part of the show for Mongoose. So, um, and not, not Mongoose, Andretti. So, uh we have we're going to start with uh, best women's unsigned prospect, and we have two. Uh, well, we let's have- let's say how we kind of came to this. Um, so we we said that you you couldn't be somebody. These categories, the unsigned prospect categories, are the ones where these wrestlers are not signed to a major promotion. They are working the indies. Uh, they are out there working day in day out. They they have not been signed to a major promotion, but they're still out there. We said that we said that uh, places like Reality Wrestling and OVW and MLW um, were all fair game with this category. Yep, you're right. So we have two we have two nominations for women's unsigned prospect. Uh, we have Trisha Dora, who we saw in uh, at WrestleMania week. She did fantastic. Uh, we have Stephanie Vakir, and the winner of the women's unsigned prospect is Stephanie Vakir. Yeah, and look, it might it might seem like it's a an easy pick because everybody kind of got introduced to her a little bit more this year um, through those shows, you know, that she had the long, the Long Beach shows, um, you know, against um, against uh, you know Willow and and uh, um, Mercedes, you know, at that point. No, I mean that was a, that was a hell of a show too. But um, Vicar, you know, she works primarily in in South America, um, and she's just keeps getting better and better and better, man. And I don't. I, 
look, it, we're not we're not idiots, right? I mean, it, the, the WWE are not idiots either. I mean, obviously they know who she is. AEW knows who she is. She would be a star in either one of those promotions. So to me, you know, it just it just says that it's her choice. It's her choice to stay where she is, right? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if she wants to stay in 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 uh, CMLL or she wants to keep you know wrestling South America, then so be it. If you're happy doing that, then so be it. Um, she did work some WWE shows ba- a while back, um, like when they go on tour down there. I think she'll work the shows, um, but. Um, Look, man, she's just physical. She's she's excellent in the ring. She's got a great, you know, great presence about her. Um, looks great. Um, you know, she lays all her stuff in. She's she's physical in the ring, man. It's, it's what you want to see. She looks like a women's wrestler, and she acts like a women's wrestler, and she can be vicious when she needs to be, and she sells her ass off, too, you know, when she has to do it. Um, I'm a huge fan of her. I have been for, you know, a long time, and I'm, I'm really glad that uh, I'm really glad that you guys got a chance to check her out this year a little bit and kind of get a little more familiar with her. Yeah, and we also have other mentions here. We have Jessica Rodden and uh, uh, Demilly XL. Yes, uh, Jessica Rodden. I'm not sure what um, what she's been doing um, or wh- where she's been wrestling a lot. I- I'm I'm a little I'm a little confused as to why she hasn't gotten more of an opportunity because she's pretty she's a big a big body presence and she's strong, really really big like physical presence. And I- I'm not sure why she hasn't gotten. Um, gotten more looks it, it probably will come you know for her over time i think um but um she's she's great she's she's really fun to watch um delmi is a is an mlw um and she's gotten just better and better and better man and seeing her kind of come through the indies then finally get a contract with um with mlw um you know it was awesome to see it's really cool to see that you know coming coming out of a small venues and then getting on to getting on to a, a show with with real production and everything and she's she's a star and she's going to be a star you know for for a lot of a lot of years coming up here there were a couple other names i wrote down but they i wanted to kind of preface this a little bit because you know some of these girls um were in nxt uk and whenever that got dissolved um it kind of you know everybody kind of just went their own way now look obviously wwe knows about these people i'm sure whenever they jumpstart nxt europe or whatever they're going to call it um they're probably going to get picked back up but it, it's funny because when you see them because you, you forget about them you know you don't even remember i mean nxt uk dissolved a while back already right and you, you kind of you don't even remember all the people that were in there right especially the ones that got released but then when you kind of catch them on a show and you're like holy shit that girl's really good or that guy that guy looks great right when you watch a show but then you kind of read up on him a little bit and you find out that they actually kind of did go through um the the nxt system and that's why they're good right it's why they look really good so um the the three that i had written down um for the for the women's you know quote-unquote indie indie workers millie mckenzie um very talented um zaya brookside now that's robbie brookside's daughter um, yeah. she's worked in stardom a little bit robbie brookside you know a legend in in britain you know he's a trainer right now in in, in orlando um so he's a big part of it. i'm sure zaya brookside's going to get brought in at some point i think obviously um and then the other one was um lizzie evo um you know mckenzie and evo were just two of the ones that that i i found um just watching random indie shows and i was like holy cow man like it's so talented right well then i went back and i like i said i went back and realized that they were on that they went through nxt a little bit you know so they um ended up getting you know, professional training and you can you can certainly tell <laughs> that they did versus a lot of the people that they were up against but uh the other names i had were jessica troy um she's australian she's really good she's gonna be she'll be on a roster at some point um the renegade twins um have been on aew a little bit 
Um, now they work with Thunder Rosa in in Mission Pro. Uh, Thunder Rosa's promotion is where they where they are pretty much based out of, and they're 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 pretty damn good. They're they just keep getting better. They're going to be on a big show, you know, pretty soon. Um, and then, like I said last year, man, I'm not sure I'm not sure why we haven't gotten more um, you know more of a buzz about them, but they've they've grown within they've grown within wow you know within women wrestling the tonga twins man and i know I, I brought this up last year they've gotten better they certainly have gotten a lot better they're getting more comfortable on the mic um they're big physical you know tongan women man and I, I don't know i don't know why they're why they haven't been brought into nxt i mean i, I for me they're a surefire man maybe maybe they don't want to do it who knows like, we don't know everything that goes on you know in, in the in the in the background but uh i thought that you know two you know attractive looking big presence women you know would would have been a, a natural fit in a place like the wwe you know especially with that uh with the pacific islander heritage that they have man you think that they'd be a slam dunk but uh, maybe it's coming man maybe, maybe it's coming and, and, and it's going to be a big debut a year from now two years from now but they're they're freaking awesome all those all those women i mentioned they just they tear the house down man every time they're every time they're in a show whether it's a big show or they're on a little show someplace in front of 25 people the effort is there and that's something i i will always appreciate man doesn't matter if it's male or female or tag team or whatever it is man if you can go out there and just tear the house down in front of 25 people and have fun doing it with a smile on your face and, and leave there feeling like you you entertain people and gave a good effort man that's something that i'm, I'm gonna always appreciate so stephanie care is I, I cannot say that I am out here seeing all of the smaller and indie wrestling that I was able to in a previous life uh, and that I wish that I could, but I was fortunate enough to have seen the care wrestle Mercedes Monet at the, uh, what's that? Was that the Long Beach show? Yeah, man. And that was excellent. Exuded star power went in there and not only held her own, but truly kept up with one of the best in the world. And I was, that, that did it for me, man. When, when we were kicking around nominees for me, that's, I, I would not be able to say anything that would discredit her from being, she could be top tier somewhere. Yep. And that leads us right into men's unsigned prospect. And we have two, nominations here we got speedball mike bailey and we have miami mike walker and the winner of men's unsigned prospect is miami mike walker and uh mike walker somebody that we saw down at hollywood uh and it was a uh, uh, hollywood awesome. maryland his presence <laughs> he had an amazing manager with him uh you know he ended up winning that shamrock uh cup in uh mcw which is a pretty big deal too um Speedball saw Speedball, you know, wrestle a hundred times that week in WrestleMania. Uh, did the same match forty-seven times, but that's to be expected when you do that many matches that week. But Speedball is really good. I'm really surprised that he has not had a bigger uh, promotion come sign him up yet. Um, but I know too. There's other, there's two others here that I want to mention before I hand it off. But uh, we got Robert Martyr. Robert Martyr was somebody that we saw at Pandemonium Wrestling. Uh, he was at a few other wrestling shows later that week, too. He had a nice, big physical presence that he he really stood out among everybody else, especially in that whatever you want to call that Royal Rumble that they did there at Pandemonium. That thing was wild. But Robert Martyr stood out, um, and it was really good. And uh, we got to mention Dan Barry, even though he's transitioning out into comedy. We love you, Dan. You'll always be on the list. Unless sure, you absolutely. Something. 
Absolutely. I, I don't know what it is with Speedball. Maybe it could be just the fact that he's not great on the mic, and maybe that's a. It's probably. He's he's probably maybe too old. Is he too old for NXT at this point? I mean, is that the is that why they haven't moved on him? Because they feel like he's too old to, to bring in and, and train, you know, in terms of the mic. But it could be that. But with AEW, I mean, they just throw people into the fire, you know, in, in AEW. So maybe they just think it's not time yet or, or you know, they don't think he's a he's a good enough guy to have in front of a camera. You know, one on one with a with a mic. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but the guy can the guy certainly can work his ass off. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not sure why he's not. But he, I mean, look, he's in he's in Impact right now, doing a lot of stuff, and he's you know tearing the house down there and growing his brand and everything. So you know, hats hats off to him, man. Hopefully he'll end up uh, you know making a career out of this and and get on a get on a big show and and you know make some money. Yeah. But Miami Mike, I thought you know we we all thought that guy was excellent. I mean, he's a natural heel you know, good, good worker. I would say, you know, just super athletic, you know, it's a guy that is, it should be on everybody's radar, you know, at this point, he's that, that package, like you said, with him and the, um, him and the manager, excellent. You know, those guys are great together. They're, they're natural heels, man. And I think they're going to get heat. They can get over with anybody, I think. So we'll probably, we're going to see a lot more out of, out of, uh, out of Miami Mike, I think here in the next couple of years. I had a um I had a couple more names here, uh, Baker, that I wrote down um, for men's indie talents that I you know because I I kind of wanted to just I went back again you know last couple of weeks and just kind of looked to see what else was out there that might be um, contenders I, and look I know that that Cole Cole Radrick is a guy that a lot of people like um, the the body style of him his just his overall presentation is excellent nobody looks like Cole Radrick <laughs> so. There's uh, there's definitely something there for him that I think is is really beneficial for him. And the guy's super entertaining too. He's weird. He's kind of a creep. He looks really weird. So he's he's definitely a great addition to the uh, to the wrestling universe. That's for sure. Um, Brian Keith, man, obviously is awesome. And the thing about Brian Keith too, man, like he had those matches. Um, I can't remember if it was Collision or if it was Dynamite or maybe I mean maybe it was Rampage. I don't even know. But that dude really got over with that crowd, man. And I it just he looked natural on that program and he looked like the people were really responding to him. And to be completely honest with you, I'm su I'm surprised that we haven't heard anything yet about AEW trying to sign him to a contract. Cause that guy, man, the bounty hunter is awesome, man. He's, he's a, a hell of a worker, man. He's super physical, looks crazy. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, can't ask for much more than that. There's a, um, a British guy named Brady Phillips, um, I've only seen a couple of this guy's matches so far, but just super charismatic. You know, he's a heel too. Um, I, I love heels, man. If you can't, if you can't tell that yet, but uh, the guy's super charismatic. He's super athletic, um, pretty physical too, man. Like it, like uh, he's put together. Good looking dude. You know, good looking, good looking muscle muscle guy. Um, so he'll probably um, he'll probably end up breaking out here at some point. I would think in the next year or two. But I, the last one is I had here with the Von Erics, man. I mean, we haven't seen them really um, wrestle on TV in, in a long time. They were in MLW for a really long time, and they were killing it there, and they were great. Um, and then they, you know, they showed up on AEW the last couple of weeks, you know, with the kind of, you know, with, with the Iron Claw coming out. Um, but those guys are awesome, man. I mean, Marshall and Ross are, are, are great. I mean, they're a great tag team. They're great together. People already know them. People already like them. The music is great. You know, you got Kevin with them. You know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little confused as to why we haven't heard even any rumors that, that they're trying to sign them full time. I'm surprised by that. Yeah, maybe that's coming down the pike. Well, they need, I think it would be good. 
I think it would be a good signing because they're they're natural baby faces, man, and they've got that lineage and they can work. They work really well together. I mean, I don't I'm, I don't know why we haven't. Uh, it could, again, man, it could be their choice. It could be their choice. They don't want to do the dates, you know, and they, and they just want to have a little more freedom in their in their you know careers. But I thought for sure that after seeing those guys on TV a couple times, um, that we were going to start hearing hearing rumors that they were going to get signed full time, and I think it would be excellent. So Miami Mike, this is, I hate to say it, but we should probably call this the, uh, the Memorial uh, Junk Thieves uh, East Coast trip winner of the year <laughs> <laughs> moving forward. And it's just because to be able to see somebody like him in his home environment be the, the super duper over guy, uh, that was awesome. And we saw a great show at MCW. And I mean, this guy, this guy had it, especially with that crowd. And I would love to see him get an opportunity sometime in the near future. This is Mommy Mike Walker. And I'd like to give a big shout out to Johnny Bake Show, Andretti, and the Mongoose for voting me, Miami Mike Walker, the best unsigned talent in pro wrestling today. Over at the Podsky Podcast, thank you, gentlemen. You guys are clearly very intelligent, very fine young men that watch the product day in and day out. You guys came to the MCW event in Hollywood, Maryland. You saw me step in there, big stepping, ice on my neck, ice on my wrist, doing my thing. I've the main event of shows in the Netherlands. I've the main event of shows in Peru. Traveled the world this year. Expanded my brand. Held the TV title for six months and then went on to win the biggest tournament of the year at the MCW Shane Shamrock Memorial Cup. Miami Mike Walker is up right now and you gentlemen know what you're talking about. Except for your boy JC, who for whatever reason didn't vote me as the best men's unsigned talent. JC, clearly you're the jackass of the group. And for whatever reason, you weren't invited to said show in Hollywood, Maryland. Hopefully, they bring you to the show next year in 2024 where you can see me, Mommy Mike Walker, headlining and main eventing every show in your area. I'm up in PA. I'm up in New York. I'm up in Massachusetts. I'm in Maryland. You name it. Mommy Mike Walker wants to wish everybody at the Podsky Podcast a happy new year. And thank you for voting me the men's best unsigned talent. All right, transitioning now into our signed prospects. So these are people who are signed to major promotions that have not held a major title. So Basically, all of your like undercard people that you see, they don't get a lot of mic time, but they're hard workers. You see them frequently, um, and I really like. I really like the yeah, one. I think we said that you you could not have held a title in a in a a major promotion, right? Yes, a major title. I think was what a we major. Said. It's got to be a major title, so you can't. Yeah. Be, you know, you can't go out there and hold the intercontinental belt for you know three years and still be a prospect anymore. Right. Right. So, um, but yeah, so for, we'll start off, we'll kick it off with the women. We have two nominations, uh, almost unanimous here, uh, but we have Willow Nightingale and we have Hanan and Willow Nightingale 
uh, takes it here for women's signed prospect. Willow just yeah, like I really, I I uh, love Willow. Like w- when we went to WrestleMania, we went to that ROH show. Uh, I don't think there was a bigger pop all night long than there was for Willow, and she was on the pre-show. And I thought that I think that Willow is great. She's incredible for the kids, and that's something that AEW does not have. They need a they need a women's baby face for the kids, and I think that that's she's a perfect a perfect fit for that. And she. If she ends up leaving AEW and going to WWE, she will be the next Bailey. Yeah. Yeah, I really like just the the charisma, first of all, just falls off of her. Like, you can't look at her and not be happy and smiley. And, like, she was kind of adjacent to whatever the hell they're doing with the women of the House of Black thing and got misted in the face and she was in, like, a bad mood or whatever and was like, sad and it's stupid what a stupid idea to turn her try to turn her heel how how dumb yeah. are you to do that uh anyway uh back to willow being awesome like it 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 sucked so bad because she is so good at being jubilant and joyful and bringing energy and like she really fits that archetype really 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 well and it's it's so refreshing to see, you know, because like WWE does baby faces and heels. There isn't a lot of shades of gray. And she's in a place where there are a lot of shades of gray to the point that sometimes it gets confusing mm-hmm. and kind of out of nowhere. Um, so with her, like just just run her like that. She's she's already over. She's gonna continue to get more popular. And just yeah. She She's excellent. Her work is good because she's a bigger woman. Um, she works well in the comeback as a baby face. She can sell. She, her stuff looks good. She can muscle up most of the women in AEW without it looking, you know, mm-hmm. out of place or anything. So she's a home run all the way around. I think they should just continue to push her and keep her in the orientation she is on the baby face scale spectrum. Yeah. I don't know what we're doing with this, uh, with this ROH women's title at the very least. I don't know why the hell she's not in a big time feud with Athena. You know, I don't know why Willow Nightingale is not the champion of that. I, I just, I don't understand. I, I you know, there, sometimes man, you know, it, look, we, we've all been there with, <laughs> with things in our life where, you know, we want to plan things out and maybe, you know, things don't always go according to plan or whatever, but sometimes things fall in your lap and you got to pivot. And Willow Willow getting over as a big baby face and beloved by everybody fell in their lap and they didn't run with it. And I don't understand why they did that. But, you know, I got to see her, I got to see her win that New Japan Strong Belt live when I went to that show in Long Beach when um, when Mercedes Monet got, got hurt, right? And Willow ended up winning that match. Dude, the place exploded. It exploded. The roof blew off that place when Willow won that match, man. And everybody was was behind her. Even though everybody loved, you know, Mercedes too, you know, everybody was rooting for the underdog in that match. Um, and then the the thing was, man, like, she had to give an impromptu, really impassioned speech 
because after the match to the crowd, because she didn't expect to win. She wasn't supposed to win, right? So she ends up getting on the mic and talking about how it was a dream and and just just off the off the fly, man. And, and it was just it was phenomenal, man. What a what a special moment. And then they didn't do anything with it. You know, I was surprised they didn't run with it. I mean, she's been super over, like you guys were saying. I mean, how do you not how do you not pivot and just and just run hundred miles an hour with that woman? I don't understand. Yeah, makes you're hoping it's coming. Well, they got to do it soon, man, because it's, it already feels like they're she's lost a little bit of momentum. So it, it, you got to strike when the iron's hot, man. And then the iron's super hot. You got to do it. You don't put her in some bullshit storyline with the House of Black that makes no sense. I mean, that I, I don't even want to go off on a tangent with that. We'll, but we'll I'll leave it at that. Uh, the other mentions here we have are Blair Davenport, Kiana James, and uh, Thea Hale. Those are all NXT prospects. Yeah, all NXT. They're all excellent. They're all going to be. They're all going to be champions at some level. You know, at some point. Um, I really like Kiana James. I think she's she's awesome. Blair Davenport's been working all over the world. Um, Thea Hale seems like she's getting a lot better really quickly. Super young. Um, the 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 girl you know woman that I uh, nominated for this category was was Hanan. You know, from Stardom. Um, now look, she's got she's got a tag team belt right now. Um, it's like an undercard tag team belt, but I mean, she's 19 years old, man. And she's been, she's been working since she was like 13. <laughs> like the fact that she is so she's as good as she is and as awesome as she is at, at 19 years of age is, is unbelievable. You know, I mean, that's definitely somebody to keep an eye on probably a, a future, um, stardom, you know, uh, women's champion probably end up, you know, maybe even being the new Japan women's champion at some point, you know, or, or transitioning over here. Um, uh, but she's just for being 19 years old, man, it's just uh, phenomenal to, to see somebody that good in the ring. Yeah. And this, this one is, this one's easy too, uh, because you have somebody that even though she has held a championship, it is still the, you know, it is, it's certainly a, uh, a B-level championship with Strong. Um, the fact that that belt was created for Monet to then feud with Julia uh, is one thing. The fact that she was able to win, you know, in a very unfortunate circumstance, I would have absolutely loved to have seen that be the springboard for her to be main event. They were not main eventing, perhaps, but certainly to be in the at the top of the women's card in AEW and it's a shame that we haven't seen that yet and my only hope is that they don't wait too long because we've all seen that happen before where you want somebody to wait their turn and by the time it's their turn uh time's passing by you know the crowd the crowd has moved on to somebody else and I do truly truly hope for her sake that that doesn't happen um she does have enough charisma though where even if that were to happen here, I do believe she can go somewhere else and be a mega, mega star. She exudes that smiley Bailey, you know, like how are you ever going to boo this person personality? And the fact that she is somebody at her size, who's able to do what she is, run around, hit spots, do all those other things, still sells and doesn't just get blown up. It's awesome, man. It's, it's great to see and she is a well-deserved winning, well-deserving winner. And uh, moving on to men's sign prospect, I thought that this was a unanimous uh, choice here, but uh, JC snuck in one there down at the bottom. I thought this was a unanimous choice of Trick Williams. 
but uh, it is not. We have two nominees. We have Trick Williams and we have Nick Wayne. And I kind of gave it away there. Uh, but Trick Williams is the men's sign prospect. And, you know, kind of looking where, from where Trick was uh, just as the manager of Carmelo and now coming into his own kind of without Carmelo is really, really well done. Uh, I, he has he. Carmelo is the star uh, that is coming to the main roster at some point, but Trick will be not far behind him, and they they're gonna have a special run on the main roster. I love them. Uh, and then we also have other, yep, the other mentions that we got here are Dragon Lee, uh, Kyle Fletcher, Noam Dar, and Oscar Lube. So, um, it's uh for me, Trick Williams is just the the confidence that he is that he has gotten over the past year, man, just growing into that position and growing into that role and like getting more comfortable. I mean, that dude just, he just accelerated in that environment, man. And it, and it's, he's going to be a big star, man. And like, like you said too, man, like I've been a little down on Carmelo Hayes. You guys know that I, you know, through the chat and through the show too, I've been a little down on that guy, but um, he looked like a freaking star in that Kevin Owens match on, on SmackDown. Like it, it, it it's coming, it's coming with Carmelo Hayes. Like he's, he is the guy, you know, he'll be a, he'll be a big star in the main roster too at some point. Uh, but man, Trick Williams, just the, the, the growth of that, of that person and that character over the last year, there's, there's just nobody that can, that can match where he is for sure. Yeah. With, um, with me going with Nick Wayne and I also had Dragon Lee and Kyle Fletcher. Um, I don't watch NXT. It's just not something I have time for. So I don't really have a ton of, uh, experience with Trick Williams. Uh, maybe when he comes to the main roster, I'll get to watch a little bit more if I have some time, uh, catch up on what he's doing. Um, but Nick Wayne, to me, like he can do all of the moves, and I would like to see him uh, continue to develop some more. He seems like a really hot prospect to me. Uh, there's already a lot of buzz about him. Dragon Lee, he might be getting a little bit of uh, stalling on the main roster there a little bit. So I hope that he gets uh, a little bit more of a push as it goes. Um, and Kyle Fletcher just looks like he's ready-made to be right now, just a mid-card champion and, and working his way forward. He's, he can talk a little bit. He's got the body. He can do all of the moves you'd want him to do. Um, so it, maybe he just needs to step out of the shadow of Aussie open a little bit and, you know, show some of the charisma and show some of the other stuff. So, um, leave his trash bag partner behind. Yeah, look at this guy. We got to run in by. Oh, you're here. I just saw you. I just saw you. Back in here. We're headed. We're on the home stretch here of our. Uh, of our category. So what a better time for you to join than right now, Mongoose. I couldn't be happier to be here. Everybody. Listen, I, I braved the, uh, the, the treacherous, uh, thunder, whatever thunder snow storms in, uh, South central PA navigated through two children ages, uh, eight and six spent about 50 bucks at a local arcade to get a, uh, two Chinese finger traps, a rubber chicken, um, a squishy unicorn and uh, something else, and just ate some ice cream. Well, one of one of those children fell in your lap, and you had a you had a book on the fly, right? <laughs> oh, baby, was it? Wouldn't wouldn't that have been it? 
Wouldn't that? Well, I, I no. Well, I guess that you actually just described what did happen. Yes, yes. I, I thought you were going the whole way back. No, no, you got that. So we're good, brother. We're good. Like any like any good Booker man, when something when you get handed lemons, you got to make lemonade. We did, and we did it. We did. We're we on. We're on. Um, we're on. I don't know if you if you heard it. We're on men's sign prospect. We're talking about Trick Williams and Nick Wayne. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I, uh, I did catch the tail end of uh, Dragon Lee and Kyle Fletcher. Kyle Fletcher is, I, I think Kyle Fletcher is where he needs to be, man. He's somebody that I could watch work in the way that he has with the people that he has for the next 10 years if everything stays where it should. And, dude, Dragon Lee, he's the best. My, my only hope is that Paul Paul's him and doesn't Vince him, and he'll be fine. Yeah. All right, pick TV up, man. Let's do this. The, the other two, I'm trying to think. I'm looking at this right now. So the only other people that we had listed, I put Noam Dar on. I, Noam Dar is a star, man. He's going to be a, a, a shit ass heel for the next 20 years in that company if they if they keep him there. Um, and then the the guy that I wanted to give a a really kind of deep cut <laughs> to a to a signed prospect. So I went with um I went with Oscar Loibe, the the young uh, the young lion um, in New Japan, who's this really big. Um, physical, I believe he's German, um, who just is as white as can be and a big giant in that world, man. And he's gotten really freaking good over the last year or two now. And he's doing a lot of those kind of like uh, the prelim, you know, the prelim shows they do in the New Japan, the New Japan shows. But he's also doing some single stuff, too. Like they're, they're starting to mix him in um, and they're mixing um, uh, Nakashima in, too, um, with the uh, with some of the, the like the, the six man tags, eight man tags, things like that. So those guys are starting to get a little bit of a rub. But Loy Bay, man, freaking great. I love watching that guy, man. He's he's like a an old school European heel. He's great. That's a guy that we're gonna we're gonna hear more about here pretty soon. Hopefully he doesn't go the the route of Lloyd Banks, who uh his star shone bright and then fizzled, fizzled out. So Lloyd Bay, greater than inside Lloyd Bay. Did you were you the one that said that Lloyd Banks is now coming out next year? Yes. Oh God! Bless the child. Bless the child. All Did right. we say good things about Trick really quick though? We said good things about Trick. Yeah, say, yeah throw it in, man. Throw it. Throw it in what you got. I just just fast. That what I love is that when you have somebody that's supposed to be a second banana, and organically becomes the first banana. I love when people run with it. I really do because so often that's not the case uh, where you're shoehorned as being, you know, the, the second, the other, the whatever. Um, and the fact that obviously they had main roster all over Carmelo Hayes for the last year plus um, and have let Trick get over and are now using Carmelo as a vehicle to get Trick over more uh, is awesome. Like, and that's Shawn Michaels, man, all the hand pounds and high fives and everything else. Um, and the best thing with Trick is that he was a dude that looked awesome and could go in there and do a couple of manager spots or whatever and turned into a guy that obviously right now he's in the middle of a bunch of choreographed matches and whatever. Uh, but he's great, dude. What he does, he does really well. The booking and the drama surrounding him with that um, Iron Survivor match was as magical as you can probably book anything in 2023. Um, you know, the, the line was from Alvarez, and I actually completely, absolutely agree. 
I knew he won that match and I didn't believe he was going to win that match. Like th that was true. Um, and the fact that he and everybody else that was able, that was in there was able to time that out. The just mega star power that he exudes, his charisma is excellent. Um, and so I, I think that he has big, big things coming because not only that is, is he has everything about him physically. You know, like he's a guy that we could see on the main roster for a really long time. So I, I'm glad that whatever you guys said, I hope you said good things. Um, and if not, then let that be the, you know, the, the stuff that gets said with them. All right. The next category here on the home stretch is best return of the year. And we had two nominations for this. It was uh, CM Punk at Survivor Series and Cody Rhodes at Royal Rumble. And Cody Rhodes is your best return of the year. He gets it. Uh, I, I personally thought the way that they were teased it throughout the year and then the video package, uh, aside from us waiting with the Hardy, you know, concert that made us wait forever till we got to that Royal Rumble. Uh, but whenever that music hit and Cody came out and won that Royal Rumble, amazing. And I'm sure that we're going to get another Cody moment at the Rumble this year, but that was just so well done and so well put together. Um, and by far the best return of the year. Yeah, yeah I thought so too. Yep. Knowing, knowing that, knowing that it was coming and it was still excellent. That, and they, that is a hell of a point. That is a great point. Yep. They made, and they made it a point to do that um, because they didn't want it. They wanted to capitalize on it um, and they built it up and built it up and built it up and came out at 30 and won the damn thing. And, you know, it, it, it didn't matter if you knew, uh, because a, a lot of times these days, there's a lot of stuff that you know anyway. So what's the difference? Make it known, build it up, get the hype going. They played it perfectly. He came in, had a hell of a mini match with um, Gunther. Gun Gunther. Gunther. I always forget if it's supposed to be whichever one. I always get a mix up in my head, but um, had a hell of a little mini match there at the end. And it catapulted him into his first WrestleMania main event. It was a hell of a return and looking forward to them running it back this year. But the video tied to his return with him in the operating table, starting with the, you know, the match and then him on the operating table and him doing his rehab things. This is, that is as like, you know, pulls at my, golden era new gen heartstrings like that's as old school as it gets man and it's incredible how effective that still is uh which obviously and that's going to transcend not only it hits the nostalgia vibes with me but that was something that's a storyline and when you have something that's put together like that in which the production that they have you are going to just rally troops around you no matter what and that was the perfect complement with that and again, if you, you just said, JC, you bring him out at 30, it's one thing if you bring him out at 30, um, you know, like Hulk Hogan, 1990 style, and he just throws out like one man gang and Paul Orndorff or whatever, and then he wins. Uh, but for him to come in and still need to quote unquote, earn it and then get his own final boss before the final boss, I thought that that was booked really, really well. And the only thing that I, I, I it's, it's tough. I don't want to say I don't like it. The thing that's tough is 
that you now have you have Cody that we expect him to win this year. But if Cody doesn't win, you have Punk that could win. But then, like the thing that I wish we could see is capitalizing off of that momentum is Gunther doing it and actually winning it and him now being the man that could dethrone Roman. Um, the crazy thing is, though, that as slow as they book, maybe there is a, you know, a Gunther in Brock this year, which then leads to a Gunther in Roman next year, uh, which I, I don't know where else you would fit uh, Brock Lesnar into WrestleMania right now, to be honest. And I think Gunther would be the perfect person. Um, and so if Gunther is in the Rumble by chance, I would absolutely love to see the, um, you know, the, the messery with, with Brock coming and costing him. But since this is Cody's return, uh, to put a little bow on that, um, I, I do give them credit because I was scared to death that once he didn't finish the story, that the story was going to be too old news. And we're in a position now where, you know, he's going to have just as much fire and everything behind him. So for somebody that came back the first time to the Federation uh, as the surprise that everybody knew about and to be as over as he was, to carry that over into the Royal Rumble, to be the surprise that everybody knew it was um, and still to be where he is, that's the exclamation point on the return of the year. You know, because even CM Punk, man, when he came back for uh, at that collision show, I mean, everybody cheered. And then afterwards, it was... He was another guy on the roster, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean like in terms of people tuning in every Saturday or whatever. Uh, yeah. And Cody hasn't been that way, dude. Cody's Cody's been a top guy the whole way through, rode a lot of momentum, and obviously that was all booked off of that one return. All right, and then we uh, we have some other returns that we have here. We have Randy Orton that just kind of happened like pretty quickly. We had John Cena for that run there early in the summer. Uh, we mentioned Punk. Punk, you know, kind of came back twice. He had the return at Collision and then at Survivor Series. Uh, we had uh, Carlito. He returned multiple times uh, over this year. Uh, and then we had Quang, just Quanging him out at uh, that we've mentioned a hundred times here already on the show at that backlash. We didn't. We didn't just get. Didn't just. Didn't just get Quang. You got unmasked Quang. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've been waiting so long for out. the unmasked Quang. You talk about slow, slow booking with a with a big payoff years later, man. We finally found out who Quang was. Yep, yep, yep. Absolutely, dude. What is that? Eighteen years worth of wait or whatever it was. And what what a absolute. Uh, I guess it would have been longer than eighteen years. Shoot, twenty twenty five ish. Twenty eight. Yeah, shoot. My lord, I keep forgetting how twenty eight. It might be more than twenty eight. I just, I just, I, I, I keep forgetting how. The year 2000 was 23 flipping years ago. That's what that's what really bends my brain with all this, especially this wrestling stuff, man. I yeah, mean, I, I so like, it would be 28 would be it. It would be 28 years ish. I, I feel like it was the year 2000 was like six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> all right. The next category here is feud of the year. And we have two nominations for this one, and it is uh, Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch's feud, along with Swerve Strickland and Hangman Page's feud. And the winner of Feud of the Year goes to Swerve and Hangman. And you I can't know, wait! I can't wait to hear you guys justify this pick. Go ahead, Mongoose, because this is this is your. I know you're all over this one. Yeah, yeah, gladly. 
the reason that this is this what that this was the feud of the year is that they took a ice cold hangman page who was a main event guy he was justifiably so the man to beat kenny omega that had a title run that had a lot you know a lot to a lot to be wanted from that you know like it's sort of i don't want to say it fell flat but it's it it did, especially in retrospect. Um, the shameful thing is that, you know, he had these matches with uh, Adam Cole, and um, then he has obviously the CM Punk feud, and it's it's a shame that it didn't work out to really, really put him into the next stratosphere. And so then he sort of just, you know, rolled around in wrestling purgatory since then. Um, and then he came back and found himself a swerve, and Swerve was building himself some momentum. And, you know, we had we had Swerve with introduced Parker Boudreaux or whatever, man. And that looked like that was going to be just the next disaster, too. And then Swerve is apparently now finally going to pay off the Keith Lee thing. But we saw Swerve and Keith Lee, you know, tease a feud for eight months. And so both guys really needed each other. And what they did was they put them together. And then both guys took the ball and ran with it. They had an insane match at Wrestle Dream, um, one that we weren't ready for. Like just it, like it was one that we were excited for, but the fact that we had Swerve go over, um, I mean, me and Andretti were you know virtual high fiving and and just chest bumping like crazy. Um, especially because again, that was an unexpected result. You would have assumed that because Hangman's an OG guy that he's going to go over and this will be his next run. So they had this incredible match at Wrestle Dream where Swerve goes over. We didn't expect it. The fact that he did it in Washington is awesome. And then all they did was they continued the feud. Now, did we need to have Swerve break into his house and put a T-shirt on his baby and all these things? Of course, we did not. But what they did with off of that was we saw the best two promos that Hangman Page had ever cut. Um, and they, I mean, legitimately were main event promos that got us to that death match. And that death match was the new standard for all death matches moving forward. Uh, and we had Swerve go over again. And even though it wasn't back and forth, back and forth in terms of trading wins, I think that that's actually what makes it a little bit more special. And now you have you have a guy made in Swerve right now. Uh, they took that momentum and capitalized off that with the um, Continental Classic. And Hangman is he's a dude now that has a really interesting layer to his character, to where there was somebody that he couldn't defeat. And I hope that they use this for him to have like a realistic you know sort of not i don't even want to say heel turn but for him to be a gray guy for a little while where uh i wasn't as dastardly and dirty and rotten as i probably should have been and and it costed me and you know so get get your edge you know and i think that the, the year 2024 looks incredible for both guys and so very rarely do we see a feud make two people and again to take somebody that was cooled off to heat him back up and then take another guy that was right on the precipice of it was really, really gaining some organic momentum. Um, those two wins catapulted him, man. And so to me, I, th I think that it is absolutely the feud of the year. Yeah. And then other feuds that we had uh, along the way, 
Uh, we had BCC versus the Elite. Uh, we had Rhodes and Lesnar. Uh, we had Sami Zayn in the Bloodline, which they were all like, it's crazy to think that all of those were still in, in 2023 too, because they seem like they were so long ago. Yeah, I went with I went with uh, Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch just because I thought that they were they're so awesome still, man. I mean, the fact that Trish Stratus is still as good as she is, she's better right now than she ever was, which is really crazy to say that. She took a a twenty year break, right? And she came back and she was better than she's ever been. And her and Becky Lynch had a lot of chemistry together. And, and Lynch is, in my opinion, the greatest ever, you know, greatest female uh, worker ever. Um, and and just puts everybody over and does a great job. It makes everybody look like a star every time. So that that feud between the two of them was a lot of fun to watch. And correct and I, me if I'm wrong, but we never saw Trish work heel, right? Like I, I'm I'm trying to I don't remember her as, as you mean back in the, back in the day, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This aggression when she had the nose, the nose gimmick. I see I that one I'm not familiar with. I'm not, so I'm to not me, I, I love I love seeing her run with the ball as a heel. I thought that yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, the ring work was great, and uh, the way that she embraced that character to really, really, uh, you know, not obviously to put Becky over at the end, but that was good television, man. She her promo work, everything was excellent. Yeah, and I want to talk about the <clears throat> Rhodes Lesnar just real fast. Um, coming off of that WrestleMania loss, it was the first night right after is where they started it, and everybody was like, "All right." We got it. Cody's got to earn this, right? They didn't give it to him because fans don't think he earned it. This, <laughs> is, this was his first one. This is where he began that journey of quote unquote earning it, right? So who better to be the person to kick that off than the final boss uh, who is, or the person who has been the final boss for a good long time. And it started out like, you know, it was interesting that it was like, all right, they're going to be teammates and Brock's cool with this. And, then he dumps him on his ass at the beginning of the you know final segment of that run. Uh, big turn on that, and it was a it was a big moment, and it went on. It may have run its course a little long. Um, we wanted to get to the three matches, but they wanted them at certain spots. Mm-hmm. Totally understand that, but you know it it showcased the the best of Cody, and then at the end of it, at the very end, when Brock gave him that endorsement that nobody knew was coming. And Cody genuinely looked terrified that he was about to get, you know, F5'd into oblivion or, you know, eaten like some kind of owlbear. You know, that to me, it wasn't it wasn't the feud of the year, but it kicked Cody off on this odyssey that they've been going through and that they teased at the end of WrestleMania um, on his way to becoming the man. All right, the next category, we got Gimmick of the Year, and we had three nominations for this one and a ton of mentions. So uh, our nominees are Prince Nana, uh, L.A. Knight, and Christian Cage. And the winner of Gimmick of the Year is Christian Cage. So, and Christian, you know, for somebody that was kind of, again, another somebody that was lost in the roster and stuck with, you know, a bunch of shit ideas, especially tied to the Jungle Boy stuff, he really gained his footing back with the the dead dad stuff and that whole gimmick and, you know, turning, leaning fully into the heel with uh, Luchasaurus and... What a, what a statement. He yeah, really yep. found his footing as the dead dad stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
and, and, and you know what, man? And, and well, and it started. I know, John, that you are you're as anti Jungle Boy as they come. Oh but, yeah. Okay. Uh, that that the beginning of this, his that casket match thing with Jungle Boy was awesome, man. Like yeah. you want to talk about another one where you're just expecting it to be just oh here we go, and that was where he debuted the turtleneck, wasn't it? That's where we saw the cutoff turtleneck. Love it, yes. And yeah, God, and, that's, and, and there it's and there it starts. Yeah, go ahead. But that's I I did want to put that over because that was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Yeah, for somebody that really got their footing in that casket match and all of that and leaning into that character, he did an amazing job this year. Um, I, I My personal, I I put in Prince Nana. He was my nomination. Uh, just everything with the dance and all that. We already mentioned uh, because he won manager of the year. Uh, but LA Knight, definitely, definitely deserving. Uh, coming out with the, all the yeah chants. And he's been doing this gimmick for a long time that people are just now finding out because, you know, he's in the big company. And uh, he, you know, won the got congratulations on the uh, getting the key to the city in Hagerstown last week. Didn't see you down there. Might see you if you're still hanging around when I go back to work. Uh, but uh, we definitely do still owe you a Roy Rogers burger. Hey, the the I told you, man, the uh, the um, it's still there. The offer's still on the table. I will buy him a Roy Rogers burger for every belt he wins at Mania. So if he wins two belts, I'll give him two burgers. There's the challenge. Love it. Yeah. And, that's, and and I did need to say that with LA Nightman, it's you want to talk about like not like, the only problem is what's in the same thing as Nana, right? But like you want to talk about a gimmick. Like you are half rock, half stone cold. So you're just 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 playing the hits, right? Taking two things that worked a lot and making them your own. Um, and your name is LA Knight for God's sakes. Like your first name. <laughs> is either short in Los Angeles or Louisiana. We don't know. Uh, and your your last name is, you know, someone that protected King Arthur. Uh, and you go out there and you just talk in a cadence that is akin to the what, right? Except you're turning it into, yeah. like And it catches on. And whereas the what chant was the worst thing that ever happened to wrestling. And maybe we'll say in 10 years that, yeah, is just as bad. Um, but I love it, man. I really do. And the fact that he caught the fire that he did and forced himself into a uh, title match against Roman Reigns uh, for the Saudi Prince. And I, I would love to see what we think that it's going to be what him and AJ will, will be I the would, I, I Rumble, Rumble or maybe even Mania. Yeah, seems like it. And that's not Those a guys, bad place. They should both be in the Rumble. So hopefully we'll get that match in Mania. So, and that's the only issue with that is, is that AJ, AJ went full Randy Orton and got hurt and came back 60 pounds heavier with all muscle. You can feel it, dude! You can feel it! So he's, uh, he's, a, he's another guy that's, that's going to turn LA, LA Knight into what, look, into what looks like a, uh, you know, a, a skinnier, uh, skinnier version of somebody that, um, you know, what do you say, like uh, one of those indie geeks or whatever. Uh, but no, I, I love it, man. I think that he's great and I'm glad that we got to mention him. But let's say it again for Christian. You started your own family of people with dead dads on <laughs> national television. And the thing is with him, I actually liked the way they started, even though he was sort of te- like toiling in another world. It's very smart to say, hey, bring in a veteran and have him guide young guys, right? Like that's another one of those classic wrestling stories. And then when it doesn't work, whoever decided 
to let him be healed and not only let him be healed, but literally say your dad's dead and then change his, um, his, his entrance thing from like, you know, I'll outwork everyone to then worked everyone to now being like the countdown thing says like, uh, you know, caring, loving, um, you know, like all these, all these wonderful parenting, uh, adjectives. Yeah, dude, he's, he's just the greatest. He really is. And he had a heck of a year. I hope that this I hope that this goes on for a while because when he puts over Nick Wayne, it's going to be a big deal. I hope it is. I hope it's a big deal. It, it should go on for a while, and then then obviously Nick Wayne's going to turn on him, and, and he'll be the big baby face and turn on Christian Cage, and it's going to be pretty cool to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I and this is another one where I feel like Christian Dust has actually worked to elevate people since March. I really do. I, I think that if you've been working with Christian, that you're you're better off too. And then some other uh, some other mentions here. We have Roderick Strong, Tony Storm, uh, and Nakamura's heel videos. Uh, they were other mentions here for gimmick of the year. I do have to say fast in case I can't later. That God, do I love Next Strong? And you want to talk about the happiest accident ever when he actually did get dropped onto his neck, and because his neck is so strong. He was able to then parlay that into, yes, you know, my neck is so strong that I didn't just get paralyzed. Dude, he, when they would wheel him to the ring and they would do the, as he's putting his hand on his leg and his other hand on his leg and he goes to stand up and it's like Jim Jones in the people's church. Oh my gosh, man. So great. Oh my. All right. And uh, we got a couple more yet here. We have tag team of the year, and this was a unanimous decision and it's a pretty easy one for all of us here. It's the guns. And for a tag team like the guns who, you know, last year we thought they got a title shot way too early to get a run with the belts. And now they are literally the following year tag team of the year. Uh, says speaks volumes to what they've done, and they are very, very awesome. And they've come a long, long, long way. And that's it, man. You're just you're hitting on it right there. Like they're they're such they're such a success story of that company, man. Like they where they started on freaking you know uh, dark or elevation or whatever it was. Whenever Colton didn't know what the hell he was doing in the ring, or just um, they, in the front row during Dynamites during COVID. Dude, what mm-hmm. a success story these guys are, man, of AEW. I mean, they're they're freaking awesome, man. They and where where they've grown over a, a short amount of time, it's just it's just it awesome to see, man. Really great. This is also a big credit to um the Juice and Jay signing. Like that that really mattered yep. because not only do you have two great workers, but those par- pairing the guns with those two gave those guys more charisma and personality than anybody ever thought that they had. It unlocked all of it. And you have a stable that is so good together. And then when they do start to splinter every single, and the, ta- the guns is a tag, but then you have juice and then Jay all are, are people that can go on and do other things off of that. So this, this yeah, that's, this has been excellent. Yeah, and then the other mentions we have here, we have the Acclaimed, uh, we have the Young Bucks, we have uh, Big Bill and Ricky Starks. Those are those are a dark horse pick. Uh, Gates of Agony, MJF and Adam Cole, 
you know, they had a short run, but it was a very well done run. Uh, kind of got cut short because of the injury and all that. Um, we have Stax and Tony D, uh, TJP and Akira. Those are all of these tag teams that we mentioned are very good. It's crazy that we all, all of us together, pick the guns out of all. Of yeah, those. I think I think a, a close second for me is is D'Angelo and Lorenzo, like uh, Stax and Tony D for sure. Those they're are great. Yeah, they're great. I mean, they, I mean, dude, they, the fact that I think Mongers, I think you're the one that said it the other day about the, how, how they've gotten everybody. So um, they've gotten everybody so uh, on board with, with uh, Tony D and that storyline over the course of the past year. That's another one. Think about this in 2023 for old school booking with having a mob boss that legit has, they has murdered people. Let's just they be throw people in the river. They've killed people. Yes. Yes, yes. So people have died under his watch. And then instead of it being so hokey that it killed them, it was so campy that it worked. And the free Tony D movement, like, dude, they got the crowd to want a convicted murderer out of jail. <laughs> you know? And that them winning the tag team titles was excellent. Uh and the the little flip that they then did with Chase U, like those those guys are great, man. And and to that's another one, you know, to get over something so hokey and do it so well is is awesome. What I think is cool is what we don't really see on here. I had, um, I had the Bucks, but I mean, it just felt like a conciliatory thing when I put them on there. We have. We're we're saying new names. It's not FTR or the Bucks, sure. or it's not New Day. It's not the Usos. These are new and different names, and that's what stuck out to me the the most with that. That it's some different names, some new names. We're getting some new blood. We're getting some different ideas, and I think that's cool. Yeah, and the best part with that, JC, I'm glad you said that, is that all those names that you just said, that we are getting to the point where those guys, the Bucks. The uh, if we whenever we get the Usos back together, you know we will. Um, the uh, FTR, the Bucks, the Usos, um, whom whom else ever, uh, they're going to then start elevating these guys when it's time for these guys to be next level. Like we are going to see FTR lose to the Guns in a four and a half star match sometime. At least I would hope so. Like I, I feel I think we would be shortchanged if we didn't get that. You know, we'll yep. get Stacks and Tony D beat the new day and those those things will happen and um that's awesome too great points great points all right so we're down to our final three categories we have both men's and uh men's and women's singles wrestlers of the year and mvp so these are our biggest awards of the year and the most important ones so we'll start off with the women's singles wrestler of the year we have uh, two nominations. We have Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley. And the winner is Rhea Ripley. And I know I, I put Tony Storm, and the only reason that I, I kind of slotted Tony above Rhea uh, is because I thought that Tony, she did the gimmick change. Uh, it's very well done. And that Rhea, she had a great climb uh, with the Royal Rumble win and the win at WrestleMania. And it's kind of, who's left for her now? Uh, so I don't know. Like, she really, she didn't have a, a very strong opponent list, if you look at it. 
Um, but you know, she ha- she's had a great run so far. I don't I don't want to discredit anything Rhea Ripley's done this year. She's definitely deserving. Um, and and I and I really like that she was very close to Tony Storm, but I just felt that Tony got a little bit of the edge because of the gimmick change. I had Rhea as my pick. Um, and Tony Storm in a close second, so I kind of flip flopped you there. Um, but I had Rhea for consistency. Um, whether she was in the ring with someone and and her having a short opponent list isn't necessarily her fault. When she has been asked to do something or when she goes out every Monday night, she delivers at a high level. Um, so if, maybe it's not in the ring, but that's not a bad thing because that, you know, where she's not working now as much she'll get more years later. So she's not taking as many bumps. But I think from a character perspective where we already knew she was a pretty good worker and that she was fine in the ring and could dominate where she needs to and sell where she needs to and the facials and all the wonderful things we already knew about her, this year felt more to me like her stepping out into a star role where in previous times when she had the championship, she didn't feel like a star. It was like, She's rising. We know she's going to be something. Something's going to be great out of this. This feels like the manifestation of that uh, for me. She's such so, a force. She's such a factor and such a force on that show every week, even, even without defending the belt or, or you know, having big, big personal feuds with herself. She's a major player on that show every week. And physically, even with the men, because of her own size, like, she feels like a threat outside the ring when she's there for a dumb match or sure. with a judgment day match. Now I'm not saying I want her in the ring with men. I would rather her stay with the women because then you get a weird China situation and I, that's not, we're not for that game. But you know, I, I, I think at the end of the day, it's the consistency and her leveling up an area that she hasn't previously shown to level up. That's why she was my, top woman of this year now that's to take nothing away from tony the only drawback for tony for me was the stop and start booking where she was champion and then it came off and then it came back on and now it's on where it should be because she has a great gimmick and she's running with it and just she's all in on that and i kind of thought it was goofy at first i was like where the hell did this come from um but now it's just okay she does it this is her accepted thing and she is full cheek behind it and it's 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 great. I appreciate the fact that it's a little you know a little goofy if you step out of the realm of wrestling, but in the context of wrestling, it works a hundred percent. She plays it to a T. It's natural for her. Wonderful. She's a great character. On top of again being a very good professional wrestler. Yeah, and I think that I for me the piggyback off of what you two just said. With t- the thing is with uh, Rhea is Rhea is the biggest star in a faction that has Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and the biggest heat magnet in the company on it. Like she's she yep. is the star of that group, and uh, the fact that they're able to use her as first to be the and this was previous to this year it was you know the end of last year, but when she was the Dom Whisperer, you know she's the reason that we got Dom versus Ray. Uh, all of the uh, the different layers to the Judgment Day story, where we do have you know Priest with this briefcase and he was screwing up when he's going to cash it in, and you know that's that'll lead to Priest being a huge baby face, and it's going to be off of her back, 
Um, so they'll springboard off of her. And when you said, John, that there's no one left, it's the, actually the opposite's true where everybody's left. Uh, she just hasn't wrestled any of them yet, you know? But that being said, and they're, and they're on the other show, you know, so what, what's she going to do about that? Right. Um, but that being said, the, the marquee feud that she had, and, you know, she did win the Royal Rumble this year, and that Charlotte Mania match, if I didn't see, uh, if I didn't see the um, Sasha Banks and, um, uh, help me, Pirate Girl. Kyrie Sane. Kyrie Sane, thank you. If I didn't see Sasha Banks and Kyrie Sane, um, you know, that would have set the absolute benchmark for the rest of the year, uh, the standard for, you know, women's match of the year. You know, like that Charlotte match was absolutely incredible. Um, and so the fact that we didn't get a SummerSlam match out of her was weird. You know, we found that out not too long ago. Um, but I do think that we get Rhea and, Rhea and probably Becky at WrestleMania this year. So I would expect her 2024 to be just as good as her 2023. And the reason I, that I would give it to her over Tony Storm is that Tony's gimmick change has been awesome. I love Tony on TV, especially because Tony has Luther. Uh, but Tony's match quality has suffered since the gimmick change. She's yeah. so in on the gimmick that she's she's not working the way that she did, which stinks because she's such a good worker. She should, you know, she, and, and she should still be Tony Storm in the ring. If you want to do some of the throwback stuff, like the big wind up punch and all that, yeah. it's okay. To incorporate that is okay, but like she's kind of changed her style in the ring, and for me, that's kind of where I, I I've lost it with her. Yeah, and and it gets, and that stinks because she was always one of the best workers, especially in AEW. But she's been great for a long time. Um, but that 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 would be the for me. I think that that's sort of what cements it at, for Rhea is that uh, we don't know where Tony's going off of this. The that her last pay per view match, that full gear match, was. Pretty much of a, uh, and even though we, we've known the outcome for every Rhea match that she's been on premium live events or whatever, none of them have been, uh, you know, they've all been good to really good. Even the the um, Zelina Vega match was awesome. It gave Zelina hope spot in there, you know, like th those things were were all great for this whole year. So yeah, crown the, the I was going to say crown the king, crown the queen. All right, and we also have some mentions here. We have Trish Stratus, Tony Storm, we already mentioned uh, here also, uh, EO Sky, Becky Lynch, Tiffany Stratton, uh, Julia. So we had a lot of mentions here for women's uh, singles uh, of the year. Real, real quick, just about just to touch base, we talked about Trish a little bit, you know, before. Um, what a year she's had, right? Becky Lynch, I think, is somebody that needs to be mentioned. She's been phenomenal with several different people. Tiffany Stratton has really stepped it up this year, man. She's going to be a major star for years to come on that main roster. Um, EO Sky, um, what a strange year for her, right? I mean, she ends up winning that belt, but she's just like a like an afterthought in that, even in her own faction. Like, it's 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 a little strange with, with EO Sky right now. All right, so we got our final two categories. We have men's singles. Uh, wrestler of the year and we'll do that now so we got here are the nominations we have la knight will osprey and seth rollins and the winner is will osprey and i don't know there you literally cannot name one singles wrestler who had a better year than will osprey he literally started it with the wrestle kingdom match followed it up at forbidden door had two of the best matches that have happened all year long had a match at all in um Literally, 
this guy has had an undefeated year and he looks like he's primed to have another year in 2024 as well. An unbelievable run that Will Ospreay had. My my choice was LA Knight, and that was only because of the the, the rise that he had. But Will Will Ospreay one thousand percent deserves this award. Yeah, no question about it, man. I mean, nobody's had a nobody's had a better year of big matches, big time memorable matches than this guy, man. And the fact that he's he's changed everything about his his uh, you know his body. He put on that size. He moved up, you know, quote unquote, in weight classes to be able to compete at a at a, a higher level with bigger guys. And he's killing it, man. He's just he's phenomenal in the ring. He's phenomenal in the air. He's getting better on the mic. He's a he's a can't miss prospect, man. In terms of uh, you know looking for a main event guy to to be the face of your company uh, for the next couple of years, I mean it's it's going to be a lot of fun to see him work with everybody in AEW and keep working with people in New Japan. There's just the you know the sky the sky is still the limit for this guy, man. I mean we haven't we still haven't seen the best match that Will Ospreay's ever going to have, and it might not be for another ten years, and he might have thirty five more. Five star matches between now and then, man, and it's going to be a lot of fun. To, a lot of fun to see that. Yeah, pipe down, bruv. Pipe down, bruv. That's the best introduction to somebody to a company uh, that uh, that I could have asked for. And the fact that you said that we bookended uh, the, the well, not bookended, but we started with the Kenny match, and I guess we sort of the bookend because it'll be, but it, it'll be uh, at the next Dome show. Um, that match with him and Moxley and uh, uh, David Finley is going to be incredible, too. Um, he's such a big deal that they took a secondary title and had to make it not a secondary title anymore. And he's not even going to be there. Um, but, you know, that's that's really awesome is that uh, he is he's that much of that dude. He's been all over the world. Um, he has his last booking with this Rev Pro show. Um, coming up, I believe. I don't know the date on it. Um, but the best part with him, we mentioned this before, is that he's going to go in there and he's going to go back to Red Pro. And the storyline is that he's going to take their title and he's going to keep it with him because he built the company. And he's all he's going to do is just make the dude. And I, I, if I wish I had I had his name on the tip of my tongue, the Red Pro champion. But he's going to make this guy on the way out. So not only is he that good in the ring. Um, but he knows what he's doing business-wise, too. And to see somebody that's willing to go in there and, you know, will do jobs and things like that is awesome. So I like him very much. He had a great year. Everything you guys said, spot on. Um, I had Rollins as my guy for this. Um, in a time where there was no – I know he's there, but he's not – really there all the time uh, in Roman Reigns. He took the mantle of the belt that people thought they were making for Cody, which they never did. Um, and he has been consistently their guy on Raw. Um, he shows up for every match. He shows up for everything. He's had a great story the entire way through. Um, you can tell he cares. He puts 100% into his character. He has his character can be a little tiresome at times. Um, and, you know, I just, I just really thought that, you know, the whole idea of having a workhorse champion and a workhorse person, again, in that particular, um, in that particular promotion was a, uh, a really good idea. 
um, and bringing that back into it, I thought was a great idea. And I thought he was the right person to take and run with it because he wasn't one of those other big people. Um, so I loved it. I thought he had a great year. Um, and then a couple other, I had Cody again, you know, he's been on a journey this entire year. It's been the one B storyline. How is he going to finish the story? It becomes a meme. It becomes what it is. Um, and then I wanted to really give a quick, shout JC, out. To him. Really quick, JC, I do, uh, before I forget, uh, Cody's going to win the American MVP in the Observer Awards. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, he is, Cody is, even though he hasn't had the belt, like he has had that, that much, that good of a year. So Absolutely. to, yeah, to echo that sentiment is that he's, he's had a heck of a year. Yeah. And they've put him, they've made him the unofficial face of the company. You need mm -hmm. somebody to shill something. The Cody Rhodes is right there for you. You need somebody to be where somewhere that bus is going to be pulling up. Um, so I think as an overall, um, Seth, I think had a little bit better of a year because he had a major title. He was featured a, a little bit more than Cody. Um, but Cody's running on storyline alone. So I thought that deserved some mention. And then I also thought MJF deserves some mention. Um, I know some people don't always love the story or what's going on with his title reign. I thought when he's there, and he is in charge of what's going on. He delivers. His matches are always good. I enjoy his style of work. Um, I like the fact that they've kind of turned him half babyface. Um, I know it's kind of a half pregnant kind of thing with some people. Um, I actually like it and that he's quote unquote our scumbag. I think there's something to that. I like it. I like that he's showing a little bit more vulnerable of a side. Um, I like that they used Adam Cole, the perpetual babyface to you know draw that out of him um there's been injury stuff and convoluted booking a little bit and where are we going with this devil thing and so there's been some of that as well um and that's why he wasn't maybe second um but i think as far as the stuff that mjf could control i thought he was a he has done incredibly well yeah, we got a bunch of other people here that are worth uh, worth mentioning too. So we had Danielson on here. Obviously, had an awesome year in the ring. You know, it overcame uh, you know a couple injuries and whatnot. Um, who we talked about LA Knight, you know, a good bit. Talked about Cage a good bit. Dragonoff had a, had a huge year. Man, that guy's gotten really a, a lot better and a lot more comfortable on the mic, and it's pretty cool to see that. Um, the one guy that uh, had an awesome year that um, we're not hearing too much about is is Tomohiro Ishii, man. I mean, that guy just had had an awesome match after awesome match throughout the course of this entire year. Um, a little bit under the radar, I think, you know, uh, of people. If you want to talk about men's uh, men's singles performer of the year, I mean, I think Ishii is in that conversation for sure. Now, I think I think Osprey is the winner, you know, of course. But uh, I think Ishii is a guy that should be absolutely mentioned based on the body of work that he's had. That guy, that guy's getting older and he keeps getting better. It's pretty it's pretty impressive to see that. Yeah, and one thing that I wanted to say before and I had forgot is if you want to see how good Will Ospreay is, watch the last two minutes of his match with Naito in the uh, G1 semis um, where Tetsuya Naito is completely seeing stars knocked out and Will Ospreay gives himself uh, two Destinos. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, here at the final award, this is the MVP award. This is the biggest award that we will be giving out on the show. So we have three nominations. We have Will Ospreay, uh, we have Jay Uso, and we have Cody Rhodes. And the winner and the MVP of 2023 is the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. We and- did it, guys. Very deserved. It's very deserved. Yeah. That guy, we he finished comes, the guy story comes to work. Comes to work every night, man. And he's super entertaining. Everybody loves him. He's over with the crowd. He's he's hard not to hard not to love when he's out there, man. I mean, he's uh, the embodiment of professional wrestling, and he's uh, basically you know one of the biggest faces of that company in a short amount of time, even. Um, but what a what a worker he is, and it's it's hard uh, it's hard not to like Cody at this point. Yeah, this felt like a prove-it year for Cody. Um, I think that was very clear in the fact that they didn't crown him last year. They said, all right, you got hot, but we want to see if you can sustain it. And he has absolutely sustained it. And that was the point. And I think that's the difference right now with an L.A. Knight. I think L.A. Knight is kind of starting to get to the point where Cody will was last year. Like, I think at WrestleMania this year, they're going to bring up LA Knight to that point to the prove it stage and say, all right, can you sustain, you know, what that, that fire that you get with the crowd and Cody has this year, you've asked him to do anything. He's there. He's professional. He kills it. Even drunk on stage, the man freaking kills it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he, even I, did, he did something real funny in one of the, um, one of the commercials too for like the when they were selling toys or something he 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 purposely like moved yeah the it was the, in front of the, yeah, stardust, it was the stardust that was, that was yes. hilarious yes yeah, that yeah. man has put over more soft drinks at press conferences than anybody's done all year long and i, <laughs> I gotta be honest guys it's delicious drinking that, some that, kind of black that pitch black yeah, that yeah. Pitch black. oh my god he did c4 fantastic <laughs> Slim Jim, like Slim Jim's, yeah, all of that stuff. Quick plug, Matthew. Uh, the end of Botchamania last week, they show every single thing that the WWE yep. has plugged, and that was absolutely hilarious, man. Mm-hmm. That That's Cody, funny. that Cody clip with the pitch black and is in there, and it's <laughs> yep. hilarious. Here's the here's the thing, JC, is to piggyback off of what you were saying before. The reason that Cody Rhodes is the MVP is that. Cody Rhodes was in a match with uh, Roman Reigns where everybody expected him to win, not wanted him to win, expected him to win, and they were ready for it. So that's your biggest star in the company. Then you put him with your 1A star, Brock Lesnar, and he stands with the man toe-to-toe. You believe his offense, his selling was that good, and so he said with Brock Lesnar – he belongs in the ring. You then bring back your Randy Orton's and he stands next to Randy Orton and his star doesn't dim. And that's the big difference with LA Knight is now that we've got CM Punk and uh, Randy Orton and some of these other big time legacy style names, not to use the pun there, but some of these big legacy superstar names, Cody's star will not dim. And I fear that LA Knight will be forgotten. And, and I don't mean like, you know, just push to the side completely and losing, you know, pulling the, the Akira Tozawa role. But I do think that it, it's superstar is a different kind of level. And 
we'll see we'll see if LA Knight was the one year wonder, you know, the Cinderella team, or if he's gonna be able to take the ball and run with it because Cody Rhodes, he certainly he's proved that he's belong that he belongs, man. It's been here's, here's incredible my, to my see. Worry. My worry, I, I have the exact same worries about what, what's gonna happen to LA Knight. I have the exact same ones. Because like I've been like I've been saying to you guys, LA Knight got transfer portal is what happened because he was the guy that signed. It was the ne- going to be the next big guy to get on the field. And now all of a sudden the coach brings in three or four guys that are bigger than him through the transfer portal. And you saw him standing next to Randy Orton in the ring. I mean, dude, it, it, I mean, Randy Orton looked like freaking Andre the giant standing next to standing next to uh, LA Knight in that match, man. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that they've, they've, brought some people in now that are possibly going to be slated above him, you know, and, and, and kind of put a little bit of a cap on that guy. And I'm, I am concerned about that, but we'll see, man. I mean, the guy, he's got a hell of a lot of talent and he's really over. Um, hopefully LA Knight will, will be a big player at Mania this year and it'll, and it'll lead to something. And worst case scenario, as long as he can keep the crowd, there is nothing wrong with, because that, when that music hits, that's when a, you that's have the crowd idea. scream, yeah. There's nothing wrong with being the curtain jerker on huge shows, man, for 10 years, 12 years. There sure. is nothing wrong with that at all. And if that's what ends up happening, well, then so be it. Just I, you know, I, I but I, I just hope for his sake that that it doesn't turn into one of those things where, you know, he he sort of gets like, you know, gun shy in a way or, you know, that it affects him the way that he works, the way that he's on the microphone, whatever. So that is to be seen. Yeah. And uh, my my mention for MVP, I very much would have loved to put Cody Rhodes at my number one. And I feel like I have a one a and a one B and I just kind of went with the outside pick and I went with Jay Uso and I felt that Jay, even though he did some off hot and cold often start and stop kind of stuff, you know, transitioning to raw um, outside of Cody Rhodes. I don't think there is a bigger baby face on the roster other than Jay Uso. And Jay has really come into his own as a singles guy. Now he is riding off the coattails of, you know, Cody and, and this bloodline deal. Um, But he's really found his, his footing and his step as the single star. And I don't think that he did better than Cody this year, but I felt like he needed to be mentioned uh, as, as somebody who is, you know, with that crowd, just as much as Cody, you know, comes out and does the whoa like they're doing they're doing the dance with him just as much too and he had that big match at SummerSlam with with raw or not rollins with roman and he he's had he's done a lot of good stuff this year too absolutely and he's the he's the only man that's pinned roman reigns in four years yeah so that's that is another thing to be said is that that's that's important and our other mentions that we have here, we have Seth, uh, somebody who won that that new, the new world, uh, the big gold. Uh, we have MJF, Danielson, Becky Lynch. Uh, we have Reigns too, who won it last year. Uh, and you know, it's it the 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 list is there. There's definitely four a big four that you could have put on here, and I I feel like we got them all. I do need to say before we before we break that Brian Danielson was in. MJF's best match of his career uh, that he did such a good job in that match that we were now booking Danielson as the champion in a match that he had no chance to win 
there we were at the 54 minute mark saying, okay, well, I like this. This is how we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. He um, then goes and he is in that entire BCC versus elite feud. Um, I, the, the fact that, that they forged that off of, you know, that amateurs thing and him just getting in the ring and screaming, I'm going to kick your bleeping head in and all that was excellent. We had the Okada match where not many people, uh, you know, those two were probably the only two people, especially Danielson being the one who can break his arm and have a four and a half star match to main event a uh, marquee show. Um, there was the Sabre match. We had the all of his work in the Continental Classic. If you haven't seen it, go watch him and Andrade. I have not seen um, him and uh, Brody King. Has not. I've not seen that one, but um, his all of the stuff in the Continental Classic has been wonderful. Uh, Eddie Kingston's a bum. Like, dude, I love all that stuff. Uh, and then we got the um, we have the upcoming uh, Okada two. We're, we're we're on the precipice of that. Uh, this guy is everywhere and does everything and i should mention that he's wrestled the last month with a broken orbital bone after he came back from shattering his arm uh, in the okada match so even though he's been hurt um he has been a man on a mission and he's top level and, and creative uh, creative contributor um you know the one of the people that you know has cons year uh discipline committee guy like all those other things so I, he's top notch man All right, that concludes the holiday awards, and uh, we have the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is something that, you know, we have three different categories. So we have a figure that we induct. Uh, each person inducts their own figure. Each person inducts their own moment. And we also induct a talent. So uh, last week, we or last year, we had our first induction, and this is going to be our second. So with it being our second Hall of Fame induction, uh, I think we'll kick it off with our figure inductions. Uh, I guess I'll kick us off here. My nominate or my uh, induction into the hall of fame for this year is going to be uh what was our figure of the year the gobbledygooker ultimate edition i just felt like that that figure is just such an incredible unique piece that um needs to be it needs to be loved and adored so it is going to live in podski uh podski mania forever in the oh, you're going to say in poverty i <laughs> say that poor that poor gooker we live in poverty. Sign, sign the person who played it. That's it. Yeah, how did, seriously. How did, how did, maybe, maybe Hector, maybe Hector Guerrero did live in poverty after that. I don't know, man. Might be. Uh, Somebody, I, anybody check on Hector Guerrero lately? <laughs> How's he doing? <laughs> Google's Hector Guerrero. Yeah, splice in. Splice in a in a wellness check update after we get done here. Siri, how is Hector Guerrero in 2023? Is he is he still good? Is he good? Is he not good? He's alive. In poverty. That was my Siri. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, who wants to go? Who wants to go next? We, we want to do. Uh, I got I got mongoose next on my list, so we can go Teddy next. Okay. Let me do it. Happy, happy, happy to give my first ever, uh, whatever it is, nomination or votes or whatever to. 
the giant Gonzalez Hasbro. Look, man, this figure scaled was bigger, right? So, I mean, obviously you can't go like eight or nine inches tall with uh, with the this figure scale that they had. But not not all, uh, right, you got that right. Uh, but look, man, the action on this figure was great. And the actual construction of the figure with the fur being on, um, the only thing that I wish was that it was an evident muscle shirt rather than it being just straight muscles all over him. So, so jacked. <laughs> it, it is. It is. He looks like the Texas tornado dude uh, with fur on his shoulders and on his legs. Um, but look, man, when that thing came out, that was a, oh my God moment seeing that one in the stores. That was a huge, and to be honest, my nominations for this, it, hopefully we only run the Podski for 30 or 40 more years. Um, it, my, my nominations are all going to be born of, oh my gosh, whenever I saw those things at Toys R Us or Hills or whatever. And that was one of them. That was a huge deal. Somebody that came into the territory as an instant monster heel. He was always in the main events at tournaments. He would lose out in the end. Uh, but this guy was, he was a great, great figure. Holds up as being one that if you had that on a shelf somewhere and, and people didn't even know what wrestling was, they would ask about it. And everyone that knows what wrestling is would say, dude, that figure is awesome. So I, I thought he was a slam dunk. Andre, do you want to go next? Yeah, I do. I want to. I want to go, and I, this is a special one for me because I'm going to give a, a little bit of a backstory here about why I'm uh, putting uh, the Hasbro Ric Flair um, into the Podsky Hall of Fame. Last year, I think my pick was the Remco Michael P.S. Hayes, and I had a story behind that. So this year, I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a backstory about why I picked um, why I picked uh, the Hasbro Flair. Um, this the story goes back to when the when the toy came out. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit here about, about Claire Yeager, who was a guy that lived in the neighborhood. Everybody called him Sarge. Um, he was an old guy that lived in uh, lived down the street really close to Liberty Park Swimming Pool. Um, turns out I'm actually related to, to Sarge. I didn't even know that until, until years later. So I'm going to give a little bit of a, a, little bit of a, a bio here. Um, Claire was a graduate of Adams High School. He was a U.S. Army, um, SFC, veteran of the Korean War. Purple Heart recipient of the Vietnam War, served active duty in support of Operation Desert Storm, and was awarded the Army Commendation Medal, four Bronze Stars, and several unit citations. Member of the American Legion in uh, Olive Hill, Kentucky, and in Grayson, Kentucky. Grayson, Kentucky, oddly enough, I didn't, I didn't even read this until right now. Grayson, Kentucky is where me and Bobby Winter stopped um, on the way back from uh, Cincinnati to take him back to Charleston to the airport whenever we went to visit our friend Amanda um, in um, in Cincinnati. So we we stopped at, I, I, I know I mentioned this before in the show, there's a really good barbecue place in Grayson that has the the, the gold barbecue um, that me and Bobby Winters went freaking hog wild on that barbecue whenever we were there. It was unbelievable. Really great. Wow. So yeah, coincidence, man, just coincidence on that. But um, so Sarge, also founder of 3D Oil Burner Service, now known as Jaeger's Heating in Wimber, Loves spending time with his family, a devoted and hard worker, avid Cleveland Browns fan, enjoyed sharing vegetables from his garden. Now, why do I say all that? Because Sarge was a character in the neighborhood, man. And everybody knew him, and he drove this big, awesome-looking truck with a big army thing on the on the bug shield in the front. And um, I really wanted that Ric Flair Hasbro. I, I really, really wanted to get that toy. And 
Uh, my mom would not drive me to Hills to get it, right? She would not buy it for me, um, wouldn't drive me out there to get it. And um, I made a deal with her that if I could come up with the money quickly um, to go and buy the Ric Flair Hasbro, because I do it was just it was just eating away at me because I saw it, right? I saw it at Hills. I didn't have enough money for it at the time when I saw it. Came home, was festering in my mind for a couple of days. And then she finally agreed that if I could come up with the money, she would drive me to Hills to get that figure, right? So Sarge, being a, a friend of all the kids in the neighborhood, we all, we, we, dude, we would go to his house. And we would go to his house and just hang out with him and his wife. They would cook food for us and everything. And, and you know, we would, he would just tell us, you know, funny stories and stories about being in the Army and stuff like that. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk down to Sarge's house and see if I can get the money to go buy that Flair Hasbro, dude. And I went down there and I knocked on the door and I told him everything, man. I was like, look, this is what this is what I want to get. There's this wrestling figure. He's my favorite wrestler at the time. Um, I need the money to go do it. Is there anything here I can do for five bucks? Like, what can I do around the house for five dollars, right? He, he was like, man, cut the grass. If you go cut the grass right now, I'll give you five bucks. And at the time, you know, five bucks is probably like 25 now, right? And it wasn't a huge lot. So I, I fired up his lawnmower and I cut his grass for him. And he gave me five bucks and I walked, walked back home and my mom was like, okay, well, you got the money. So I guess we're going to Hills. So then we drove out the Hills and uh, I bought that damn Ric Flair Hasbro and I still have it to this day. Um, and every time I pick it up, I think about Sarge, man. And I think about Sarge a lot. I think about Sarge, uh, you know, often because, you know, he passed away not too long ago. Um, and, you know, it, it's a sad story that, you know, he, you know, obviously got older and older, you know, and passed away. And, you know, you, you move away or, you know, you, you get older yourself and you lose touch with people. But um, I'm so glad I still have that flair, that flair Hasbro, man, because every time I pick that thing up, it just it reminds me of Sarge. Right. It's 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 like the 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 action figure embodiment of all those memories with um with Sarge and with hanging out in the neighborhood and him being a good dude. So I'm, I, I really would really wanted to make sure that I got him into the Hall of Fame here for the for the uh, the figure. All right. Great story. Give us your... Uh, What's up, Sarge? All right, JC, give us your figure induction into the Hall of Fame. So, while I can't follow that story, even remotely close, hell of a storyteller we got on our roster here. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. Um, I chose uh, the Defining Moments Sting, Crow Sting figure. I have it here. Uh, I'm sure uh, Bake will put up a photo of it. But um, <clears throat> I don't remember a lot about that era of wrestling. I remember watching Nitro. I remember being a little stinger. At the time, I would have been seven, maybe eight. I remember that character sticking out of my mind. I remember being excited for that character. But I don't remember a lot um, about that time in my life or um anything else so i and i came away from wrestling and then one of the big things that really drew me back was sting um and sting at the time was coming back to or was coming to aew huge moment for me i remember texting with john and just being absolutely excited lost my damn mind which i rarely do i very rarely get that excited about anything uh, <laughs> i finished a phd and i was not that excited so way to go steve Gordon. Um, but I wanted something to have a physical manifestation of that. Um, and you know, there's Sting's had a blessed figure career, uh, if you will. Um, 
and by god when i saw this figure i thought that's that's the that's the wrestling i remember as a kid um and just being excited about that and i remember the feeling of excitement and that being brought back to me uh in his return to a or his um arrival at aew and just being so excited for that so i actually have um a min on card one in a figure defender i took it off my wall for this and then i have a loose one as well and you could threaten that i couldn't have any more figures i had to sell all my figures get rid of them whatever the one i would keep even above my series one cody uh aw is that defining moment sting it is a perfect crow sting figure it looks great in the box it's the special defining moments packaging from that era it's just a wonderful presentation they shrank steve borden um from that time period and uh this is my official petition to jazzwares to make a freaking supreme sting please for the love of god why have you not done this already i know we're getting a blade runner sting which i absolutely love but like i i don't know if he's not signed long enough term that they haven't made it yet or what the hell's going on but please 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 do it thank you all right, that concludes our figure inductions. And now we move into the moments section. Now, the moments are things that hap have happened on television. In They could be a storyline. They could be a vignette. They could be anything that you've seen on television. Uh, so in my, my nomination into the Posky Hall of Fame for the moment is the DX Invasion. And I remember... Kind of whenever I got into wrestling, obviously, like, I came in in the Ruthless Aggression era, but one of the things that they always would do cuts for uh, to look back on was always the invasion angle. And then when you get in and, and you see, like, as a little kid seeing DX invade WCW, like, it was insanity. And to, th and to think back that that defined a generation, especially in the Attitude Era, and, you know, where they literally drive that truck down to that garage door and literally Kevin Nash is standing on the other side of that, you know, garage door saying, like, let them in, let them in. And they would not open that door. And just to think about, like, the what could have been moment uh, where you literally had WWF and WCW in on television at the same time, it, it would have been absolutely insane. Um, but just they, they've they've remade all of these figures in the last couple years. They are in the Legends line. They are fantastic. I already had them previously, so I didn't need them. But the the absolutely needed to be uh, this absolutely needs to be added to the in, as a moment in the Posky Hall of Fame. I'm I'm a huge Triple H lover. Everyone knows that I'm the biggest Triple H mark that there is. So why not better than to put the DX invasion in there? So that is my moment um, going into the Hall of Fame. Andretti, you want to give us your uh, moment? I Because I, I, I'm actually really interested in yours. You know, man, I've got a soft spot for 90s storylines that just get dropped because they're not good. <laughs> and one of my favorite ones from being a kid is the Cactus Jack Amnesia storyline where he was lost in Cleveland, all right? So Cactus Jack at the time was in the feud 
with Vader, uh, who power bombed him onto the concrete. Okay, and he and he got injured. I think he injured his foot, his his, his ankle or his foot. But they did the. Um, I th I think this is the case. I think they they he injured a, a, a body part, and they took him off uh, TV and. Uh, Dusty Rhodes pretended like he had a concussion, right? And so they took him off TV uh, to bring him back as a, as a big baby face whenever he came back to fight Vader, right? And um, he ends up going to a, a, a hospital and escapes from the hospital and disappears into the streets of Cleveland. So they bring in this fake reporter yes. over the series of weeks to try to find him on the streets, right? So she finally tracks him down and he's living with homeless people and he has amnesia and doesn't remember his family, doesn't remember who he is, any of this stuff. And somebody um, higher up in WCW at the time or on the TV network or whatever um, was like, dude, enough like we're done with this <laughs> we're not doing this anymore and they 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 just quit they just they just stopped it brought brought Cactus Jack back on the TV um never mentioned it again never followed up with anything it was just swept under the rug like it never happened dude and I I love that shit man I love that shit when stuff gets so off the rails that they're just like we can't what are we doing? Like we got to stop. We're just going to stop, right? <laughs> we're just going to we're just going to cut the cut, pull the plug on this and never follow up with it and never mention it again. And that that was one of those angles, dude. And I that that thing has just lived on in my head and in my heart for for fifty years. And it'll I'll I'll keep I'll keep loving it forever, man. I'm going to keep on loving you, man. That's that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Andrew or uh, JC. Give us your moment into the Podski Hall of Fame. My 2023 is moment of the year is John messing up uh, me and Andretti right there. I keep reading uh, <laughs> the list back and forth. I just keep getting them mixed up. My my 2023 Podski moment Hall of Fame is uh, when I defeated John in the booking war of 2023. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Faded Gino, you know, he's on my team in this one. Anyway, uh, for real, though, my Podski Hall of Fame moment is punk returning to wrestling. Um, whether that be uh, whether you whether you're a WWE person, an AEW person, both, neither. It was nearly a cultural happening. Uh, it was it was so important. People watched it um, who weren't wrestling fans anymore people who weren't who were lapsed fans um so when he came back wasn't a big secret didn't make it a big secret didn't need to be a big secret it, but it was still a moment and to see him walk out because that was one of the times when punk was kind of on top in WWE that was one of the few times that I had cult I had gravitated back to wrestling yeah um so even though I had been a lapsed fan for a long time, I at least understood the significance of punk uh, and what he kind of meant as an anti-establishment figure, what he meant as sort of that hero, anti-hero, and then what it meant that he was coming back. And just, you could feel like the power of it. 
And it, you know, we we did this as Punk was we were planning this sort of as Punk came back to WWE. And I didn't think that was ever gonna happen. I mean, Hell Froze Over is not just a gimmick because yeah. who'd have thought, honestly? Like I thought he was done. So whatever happened backstage must have lit a fire under his ass. Like you <laughs> like no one has ever seen that he was able to make up with WWE and eat some crow. But I think there was such an impactful moment for wrestling as a whole um, that when Punk returned uh, to wrestling, that it was just, you know, it was one of those moments that in the modern context, it's hard to know, I think, in the moment, what's a special moment. Mm -hmm. But that was one of those that you knew, that it's like, you know, at the end of this, whenever he's done, whenever history looks back, and he might not be the nicest individual, and he might not be the best professional, and he might act like a dipshit. And we've had long conversations with about Punk and all of his, you know, potentially needing to go to therapy and um, our Minute of Punk segment that turned into our Diatribes of Punk. <laughs> <laughs> so, And I mean, it's proven out that I don't know that he is the best professional in the world. But uh, that moment, I think that was Hall of Fame worthy. Very excited to be able to nominate this one because this is one of those, oh my gosh, moments that is even recent history, which is really cool. And we had Kenny defeating uh, Beretta, Trent Beretta at Power Struggle in 2017. And match is over. Great match, by the way. Uh, match is over. And there's Kenny with his U.S. championship. And what comes on the big screen but Chris Jericho. And he throws down the gauntlet for Wrestle Kingdom uh, in 2018. And you know what was insane was that when Kenny... When Kenny was in New Japan and that run up to his world title reign and then through his world title reign, uh, I was very, very good at keeping up with the, I don't want to call them weekly shows, but, you know, the twice a month deals that they would run on uh, New Japan World. And I never would look for spoilers. And that morning I woke up and every single thing that I went to was people exploding because Chris Jericho showed up and I didn't, I wish I didn't see it, but I then sprinted to the TV and turned it on and watched that match. And you want to talk about like the first forbidden door, right? Like that was it, man. Jericho was a WWE guy and here he is cutting a promo on what everybody knows is going to be the face of this company and challenges him to, you know, their WrestleMania and they went and they had themselves, a, I believe it was Jericho's first five-star match. I might be wrong, but it, ooh, I'd have to go back and look. But they, you know, they had a classic and it, it literally born this company. You know, it, it spawned AEW. All of that tied together all was, all came from that, uh, that initial promo. And, and to have something that literally made, everybody that was in the IWC lose their mind 
that was awesome, man. It doesn't happen very often. You know, how, 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 how much do we see, you know, there's going to be a special reveal at Restful Kingdom and we know that it's going to be Mercedes Monet, right? Like nobody had any idea that this was in the works and the fact that he did it and then went through with it and then committed the whole way to it was awesome. And so, yeah, man, that's, that, that was for me, that's a slam dunk and I'm happy to, happy to nominate it. Love it. Love it. Moving on to our talent section. So we each get to induct a talent. So that could be a, it could be a wrestler. It could be a GM. It could be a figurehead or it could be anything. Any talent that is on screen is eligible for this uh, induction into the Potsky hall of fame. And my induction is going to be stone cold, Steve Austin, uh, Many know that my favorite wrestler is Triple H, but, you know, my favorite gimmick is Stone Cold Steve Austin and, you know, Austin 316, you know, the bottom line, what all of it, you know, he's lived the test of he stood the test of time and, you know, he was the biggest wrestling star that the company has ever had outside of Hulk Hogan. And it's just you think about how big of a star he is and how small of a run it actually really was in hindsight, literally about a two and a half year window. And it just, it feels like it was like five years. Um, and you know, he had so many iconic moments on raw, you know, you have Milkamania, you have WrestleMania, uh, 17, you have WrestleMania 19. Then he comes back and he's the GM of raw you have the ringmaster and not only that, and you go even further back, you stunning Steve Austin. Stone Cold is one of, he's got to be on the Mount Rushmore and he absolutely needs to be on the Mount Rushmore of the Potsky hall of fame. And that's why my induction is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Great pick. Andretti, who is uh, your induction into the hall of fame this year? So for uh, my induction this year, I think last year I did uh, Sarah Del Rey um, for my uh, Hall of Fame for talent. Um, <clears throat> this year I'm going to go with Tracy Smothers. Um, and Tracy, um, boy, you can't find a nicer guy, man. Um, unfortunately, passed away a couple years ago. Um, uh, uh, when was that? 2020, I think it was when he passed away. But guy that worked everywhere, man, all over the world, worked in, you know, WCW, Smoky Mountain, WWF, you know, ECW, everything. Um, super likable guy, super easy to get along with. Now I had a, um, a personal encounter with him also, you know, at, uh, at an ECW show when he was working with the, F the FBI gimmick. Um, and we, I think it was, uh, I think it was in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Um, we just, we, we were there at the Jaffa mosque and we just went out back. Um, and we were just hanging out with talent, man. I don't even know how we got there. I don't even know how we got out there. I, I, I don't, nobody invited us. We just kind of went behind the building and everybody, everybody was outside um, and we ended up, it was, it was me and, and, you know, Simba and, and probably, you know, four or five other people that were with us, with us at the time. Um, we just went behind the Japan mosque and we were hanging out with some of the talent and, and, and one of the guys that we ended up talking to for a long time, I'm going to say, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to remember because you're looking back on something that happened when you were, you know, 16 years old, you know, but I, I think, dude, it had to be 20 minutes it, be, between 20 and 30 minutes. The fact that we just stood out there. 
and hung out with Tracy Smothers, man. And that dude was like, he was like, he was like, he'd known you, you know, your whole life and just told us stories about, you know, wrestling and going from town to town. I don't, you know, remember hardly any of, of the exacts of, of the stories of what he said, but the fact that we were all just sitting there, dude, like we were like sitting on pallets <laughs> behind the Chapham Mosque and he's just hanging out with us. And, and like, he's our, like, he's our, our older brother or our cousin, man, is what it felt like. You know, he felt like he was your older cousin that you only see once in a while, but just makes people feel, um, you know, super, super warm, you know, and somebody that you, you feel like you can trust right away and a great dude, man, and a hell of a, one hell of a worker, um, you know, and Tracy's probably, you know, the fact that I've been living out here um, in L.A. since 2010. I mean, I've been out here now for almost 14 years. Um, and obviously you run into people, you know, you run into celebrities here and there, whatever, and in, in, in your travels now and again. But and I was in a profession where I ended up meeting, you know, a, a pretty good handful of them at one point. Um, but, you know, I got to tell you, man, I think Tracy Smothers still to this day is the, is the nicest, nicest celebrity I ever met. You know, it, just the fact that what a great dude, man. And that guy would give you the shirt off his back, man. If you if you had to ask for it, he would do it. And that's I'm proud to I'm proud to put him in the proud to put him in the Hall of Fame here this year. All right. And uh, JC, who is your uh, talent that you want to add to the Hall of Fame? Uh, so I don't think any Hall of Fame would be complete without the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, and you could probably put him in the Hall of Fame for one part of his career, whether that be as an in-ring talent or as a booker or as a coach um, or as the father of a couple potential future Hall of Famers, Hall of Famers, uh, but I think his, I think his overall career, um, starting early in some of the work that he did, and how he got to be so big, and how he got to be the American Dream, and he was sort of in that. At the time, you have to remember, based on you know the technology, and how media worked. He was a top American star. He wasn't quite as transcendent into the mainstream as a Hulk Hogan may have got to later. But had Dusty Rhodes decided to do it, he was going to be Hulk Hogan, if you remember those stories that Vince has told. Uh, he was the original plan to be Hulk Hogan. Um, you've seen they they showed the photo, the first Raw that Cody was there with him holding the WWF title. Um, he he could have been that and that's just one facet of his career that's to say nothing of his booking um and his contributions backstage um the people that he brought up along the way and then later in life as a coach and a mentor for all of the top stars of today um they all talk about being dusty's kids and that's played out in storylines with his actual kid um and the flowers that he gets. So I think his overall body of work is what makes him so special. It, the promo, the charisma, you know, he, he said it himself, didn't have the body of the athlete of the day, but he was bad and you knew he was bad. And he was the bull of the woods. And he was like that. And he may have bankrupted <laughs> Jim Crockett promotions, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> but he wanted to make sitcoms and major motion pictures baby um but some of the best some of the best and potentially some of the worst stories 
and his overall impact on today's wrestling um, between the people, war games, Cody. Yeah. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, so I could talk for 25 minutes about Shawn Michaels. He's my favorite wrestler of all time. And so to just sort of some cliff notes, bullet points as to why I strongly believe that not only does he deserve it, but, you know, the fact that I get to be the one that nominates him this year, you know, where that, where, where that sort of is a badge of honor is that you know, this guy came up as with the Rockers. So I was very, I saw the very tail end of the Rockers stuff. Um, more so it was whenever I was first starting to watch wrestling. So then I could go to the video store and buy the pay-per-views from, you know, the year before or two years before or whatever is where I got to see him and Marty together. And those guys were awesome. The thing that always did it for me huge with the Rockers was the music. You know, that that music with them running out. And, you know, they're doing drop kicks and, and high spots for the time. Uh, crowd going nuts every time they're there. They were an awesome, especially like an opening act kind of tag team. And, you know, my first real experience with Sean then is the uh, the Sexy Boy SummerSlam 92-ish uh sensational sherry with the, you know, with her mirror and all that jazz and like you just want to talk about somebody that i hated dude i hated every single thing that he did and i just wanted him to get his face busted and then what happens a couple of months later is when sean's checking himself out in the mirror marty Janetti's right there baby and so that that feud that those guys had in 93 was awesome. And then what ended up happening was we went from the Genetti feud into Razor Ramon. And then Sean picks up Diesel as his bodyguard. And all those little things uh, that happened, I kept finding all of my favorite matches involved Shawn Michaels, right? Like everything that I was really into was because that IC title at the time was at the it was at the tail end of its, you know, of its total apex. Um, and so whenever you had uh, Razor and Sean and then Jeff Jarrett and some of those other guys that were trading that belt around. Great matches. Common denominator was always Sean. When he got his babyface turn, um, I was completely in. You know, before he turned, when Diesel turned on him, I thought that was great. I was all Team Diesel. Uh, and then when Sean turns after Sid destroys Sean after WrestleMania and those two are back together again, uh, that was a really, really fun time for me, man. And to see him, to see when Diesel was on top, Sean was the IC champion. I absolutely loved it. I didn't know if I'd ever get to see him in the world title picture. And then all of a sudden we get the uh, the tell me a lie. Owen Hart kicks him in the head. You know, he's going to have to retire. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And then he gets his big uh, comeback moment at WrestleMania. Vader throws him out. I'm, I'm ready to fight everybody in my house. You know, Gorilla Monsoon, the, the voice of reason, reinstates him. He wins the Rumble, wins the championship. And then the rest is history, man. Uh, we can, you know, again, I, I, I'm going to cut it off so that I'm not talking for 25 minutes. But the best part about Sean is that he was having these incredible matches doing things that only Ric Flair or Bret Hart was able to do in terms of being a smaller guy that could sell like Flair or that could work like Hart. And he was basically 
uh, one of those bridge guys that then created this entire crop of people that we're into right now, man. Every single person from, you know, your your Garganos and Adam Coles and Kenny Omegas and all these people are very strongly influenced by him. The uh, the end of the DX run, you know, that DX thing was like one B for over stuff with teenage kids at, at that time with the NWO. And then he comes back after uh, the hiatus there, the, the mini retirement has a match that none of us were ready for with Triple H and then has a run in the second half of his career that honestly probably was better than his first. The only issue is, is he was older. And so like the sexy boy thing didn't really work as well. But we're looking at match quality. You know, you have you had the Cena match, you had the two Undertaker matches, the Shelton Benjamin kick, the Triple H match that I just actually they had like a trio of matches that were all awesome. I mean, this guy was up and down for five, six years after he had to retire because of his back the first time. Uh, you know, the best wrestler in the company, the, the Flair match, we just said about Flair. You know, there's a lot of WrestleMania moments that happened after he was Mr. WrestleMania. And so this guy is, he's, if he's not the greatest of all time, he's absolutely in the conversation. And so welcome to the Hall of Fame, Sean. All right. Well, that concludes the holiday award show and the Hall of Fame inductions. We thank you for listening. Make sure you check us out at the underscore Potsky on Twitter and Instagram. Drop a like and subscribe if you're watching along on YouTube. Uh, make sure you follow uh, the Toast of the Coast and the Podski Doc on uh, Instagram. And uh, we will see you next time on the Podski.